on loan to us from the W... Where do you work again? Wait, KDD. Which one is it? W what? From the WKDD Morning Show. <laughs> a little bit of everywhere. Captain, that's just, that <laughs> is true. A little, bit of, a little bit of everywhere. A little bit of everywhere. Captain Tony joining the Stay Ray Show this morning, and that's because you were lucky enough to be credentialed. Yes. And you were at the red carpet, on the red carpet, for the Rock Hall induction ceremony yes. the other night. It's cool. And I, uh, and I was going to open the show with this anyway, and you just happened to be walking down the hallway. We started talking about it. Uh-huh. And I've got my own personal take and, I, and how I feel like people were, at least on so, the people that were not there on right. social media were kind of like downing it because I kept hearing this, well, it's just Bon Jovi. And I'll get to that in a second because I think that that's a crazy uh, you know, opinion to have, having it be just Bon Jovi. It's just these guys. But dude, your photos were fantastic. So Thank you. You must have been, because re- dude, you, I, Ann Wilson of Heart, yeah. I love Heart. Right. One of my favorites. And so it looked like you were standing like, in her purse. Yes. Like you were really I lucked, close. I lucked out on a really good spot. Well, I w- she didn't pick you up and try to chew you. D- well. <laughs> <laughs> she likes eating that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to leave that at that right there. She almost ate it, too. She missed the step. Really? Yeah, she missed a step, and she caught herself. Oh, but Ann Wilson free gravy almost, that could have been had. <laughs> almost, Ann Wilson almost took it right to the chops. Uh, wow. No, she, uh, she was good, and there's a really cool performance later in the show with her and Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains covering Black Hole Sun. Yeah, they're and big it's fans really of really good. Wow. It's really good. So when you see when you watch the performance whenever it airs on HBO, it'll be you'll be like, "Whoa." Okay. That's really cool. But so, I lucked out on a really good spot on the red carpet. So the inductions, you were telling me something interesting. Yeah. That they actually started It kicked off with Bon Jovi. With Bon Jovi. Right. Right. Now my guess is there is that Howard was in town to induct Bon Jovi. Yes. And Howard decided how things went. Meaning, I, I can see that. I'll do it. Yeah, but you got to get me the hell out of there immediately. I can't be more than there two hours. Right, exactly. The most. Exactly. <laughs> so like, I wonder God. when we go to watch it on HBO. That's who's going to get yeah, it. Yeah, right? HBO's got it. And so like, I wonder when you watch it on TV, they're obviously going to then put Bon Jovi at the end, so you watch the whole damn thing, right? You would have to think. Because if I mean, dude, I love the cars, right? But if you're just going to sit there and watch that television broadcast, you're going to turn it on. Oh, they're doing Bon Jovi first. Boom! As soon as that's a, you give love a bad name, done, over, right? And yeah, then, I mean, nobody's yeah. going into foreplay after the orgasm, right? You know what I'm saying? Like once you hit that high note, we're all we're all out. We're all we're all done there. I'm rolling over and taking a nap. Oh, Time God. to go to bed. So outside of that, like, what was the biggest surprise for you that you thought was cool while watching the induction ceremony that you didn't th- like? You knew, all right, seeing yeah. Howard would be kind of cool. Bon yeah. Jovi would be kind of cool. Like outside of that, like what did you see in there that you were like, all right, that like it was past my expectations. The cars sounded amazing. Yeah. See, I'm not surprised. But I they I don't I they haven't toured in a while, right? It's been a while since the cars have been on the road. You know, I don't know, but I but I can't remember the last time I heard them yeah. coming, and I'm a fan, so if I've heard it, I probably would have wanted to go. So you you're probably yeah. right. It, I feel like the thing with the cars is even when they were, I was young, they looked old to me. So I would assume they had to look super old. Yeah, Rick Ocasek you know what I'm looked saying? old in the 80s. Right. right. You know he what did. the funny thing is? Rick Ocasek looked exactly the same. He really? looked old in the 80s, and he still looks old still now, looks but he same. sounds amazing. Good doctors, good. you think? I don't think he cares about that. I think he's just got good genes. Wow. He always Maybe he that- does the just for men a little bit. Maybe he's still yeah. really dark on top, so there might be a little help there. He is. Then but, he is. Yeah. Saying. He always had that weird look to him. You know what I'm saying? He just looked like an oddball. So, like, I think that with some age on it, probably. I mean, you, when you look weird for when you're when you're 30, well, the whole band was a bunch of saying? geeks. Yeah. I mean, if you look, they're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> but was, they sounded great. They sounded great. Everybody in the room was like, "Wait, the cars sound really good." I, I love good. the cars. Yeah, I've good. always loved the cars. I felt like they were a little bit ahead of their time and. Um, I think you can hear them in a lot of stuff that's, that's oh, yeah. still coming out today. Um, I, I, but the audience reaction to Bon Jovi is really letting me down. 
Really? It really is. Now, they got I, the biggest pop of the night when we were there. Yeah, I, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. that makes all the sense in the world. It just, it's, like, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction when Metallica and Run DMC went in. Like, I actually walked up the red carpet. Yeah. Like, and so, like, that was Gosh, like... You schlubs on red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are these, who are these I know, red right? Carpet, okay? Well, look how far I've fallen. Okay. And, um, <laughs> We've made it all the way to Canton. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it, uh, and that was cool. Like, and, 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 and I get that. And I'm no big lover of Bon Jovi. I respect what they've done. Yeah. But that's just it. And I think that's the right word, is that I respect what Bon Jovi has done. And when I heard people saying, well, I don't really care about it because it's just Bon Jovi. And I thought to myself, just Bon Jovi. Like, this is, again, this is the problem with the smartphone. Right. Is that you are so spoiled by what you have in your palm every day that you forget what it was like when real celebrity ruled the world. Yeah. John Bon Jovi. I, dude, the kids today, like young people, and when I say kids, I mean 25-year-olds. Right. You'll never understand how big John Bon Jovi was in the 1980s. You just, you can't grasp it. It was, dude, a handful of people got famous. Right. Every idiot on the street corner is famous now. <laughs> dude, 10 people were famous in 1986. Right. Yeah. Like, and John Bon Jovi, dude, this is how big John Bon Jovi was in the 80s. Women tried to look like John Bon Jovi. <laughs> That's how big he was. They had to get the big hoop earrings like he had. They feathered their yep. hair the way he did. They wore the clothes he had on. That's how big John Bon Jovi was. And so to see this now, it's just, I think it's indicative to me of this culture now where you have everything at a moment's notice. And you, honestly, because of what you have in your palm every day, you respect nothing. And it's starting to get a little obnoxious because these things are no longer going to matter. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to put that 100% on the phone, but I will say I think that just the homogenization of that rock scene, I mean, the fact that, like, I mean, Wanted Dead or Alive, phenomenal song, fantastic song, but at this point, you know, a lot of people view this as a, you know, an easy listening, well, maybe not easy listening, but still, like, a My 1017 song as opposed to, like, a rock song of the era, so I think with a little bit of that comes, like... Well, honestly, we gotta own that. It, it feels, it feels, it feels... We gotta own a it little bit. It almost feels plastic at this point. Well, you here's the thing. You're not wrong about that, but I think there are there are plastic bands that go in that people would, would backflip over. Like if you I, look I at Bon Jovi and how many albums they've sold and how many people they've played in front of, yeah, you're in the rock hall. Sorry, guys. No, I mean they're a shoo-in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're a shoo-in. Shoo you can just, call it generic all you want to, and you could say, Oh, they're one of those 80s hair bands. They survived that well, nonsense. That's the, well, that's just yeah, it. And they that's survived the it and moved on, and they're still putting out music. Going into the rock hall solidifies that yeah. 80s glam hair rock scene. It does. It kind of gives credibility it gives to, a little, ev yeah. to every other band that was in that. Now, right. most of those other bands are not Bon Jovi. Right. right? They're not. But it does kind of lend a little bit more credibility to that whole scene. I think I'd have to really sit down and think about it, but Motley Crue and Bon Jovi are probably the best of the best of what happened there. Def Leppard, you could make yeah. an argument. But they're not really from the LA strip scene. Guns N' Roses is pretty good, too. Yeah, I, they, I always put them in another category, but for this conversation, yes, absolutely. Guns N' Roses was hugely influential, but it was such a flash. They were here, and then they were gone, yeah. and then Axel was yeah. like, and then Axel went bonkers. Yeah. You know? That's a fair point. We it's are talking about over 100 million albums this sold. This is Bon Jovi. Yes, yeah. Bon Jovi. Studio, uh, 13 albums from them, and uh, Slippery One Wet has sold 28 million. You're See in. What you're in. You're in. I'm sorry, you're in. Now maybe, now, maybe it's because I grew up in that era. Like, I can legitimately remember 
this is the God's honest truth. I can legitimately remember riding the school bus, mm-hmm. listening to Slippery When Wet via dubbed cassette from my buddy's a- album copy on my yellow Sony Walkman, <laughs> being in love with Wendy Willis, riding the bus to school, listening to You Give Love a Bad Name. Yep. Like, so maybe that's why, but it's like I heard this all weekend. Oh, it's just Bon Jovi. No, it's not. It's like, dude, this band, you don't understand. You don't have a frame of reference for how big of an artist this was. And like I said, every moron with a YouTube account is famous today. <laughs> For Christ's sake, Fantone is famous. I am. For, you, I know am. What I mean? you know what I mean? So like when that, when that's the reality, yeah. Then, but dude, again in 1986, 88, 89, whatever, pick the pick the year. Like 25 people were famous, and John Bon Jovi was one of them. This band was mammoth. Mammoth. You could not get away from their videos on MTV. I will say this about Bon Jovi: that guy's dreamy. Well, He's, I, I got a really good. I mean, <laughs> listen, you can Man, check it out on the Rock 106.9 Facebook page. There's a really good picture of John by himself, and I get it. It was like, whoa, we talking, we talking, do- held up well. We talking doctors, we talking uh, taking care of himself. You know, good genes. I think there's a little bit of both. Everything there. in there, all right. I would have to imagine some docs, right? But you some look at, but you look at the picture and you go, that guy's held up well, and there's probably yeah. some doctor helping there as well. Really? Yeah, hundred million albums sold. What are you doing? Not getting a little work done there? Right. You got the money? Look, no, Come I, on now. Listen, he's popped into he's right. popped into the lube stuff, and he's gotten a touch up here and there. Right. You know, he's he's gotten the oil changed a couple of times. But I mean, you, I got a. You're like that. Okay, I get it. All right. So where are the photos of the people on the Rock 106.9 Facebook page? Right. Head over there. Check out some photos from the Rock Hall induction. That's Captain Tony on loan from WKDD. Thanks, Your buddy. shot yep. at a thousand dollars every single hour on the program. First one right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Rock 106-069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106-9. 9 o'clock, Fantone found me audio of Gene Simmons admitting he was wrong. Dude, Gene, normally not like the walking back that I was wrong. He's normally not that guy. Normally, Gene goes down with the ship, but Phantom found audio where Gene says I was where he was 100% wrong. So we'll play that coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, quick reminder, tomorrow I will be guest bartending at Tozy's in Magnolia, uh, which is, I guess, is at 144 North Main Street. I'll be there from 5 to 7 uh, tomorrow. I was asked to uh, guest bartend there. I... Uh, have agreed to do it. They asked me to uh, sign up a charity to go along with it. I have chosen Save 22. Part of that, for those of you that don't know, Save 22 is a local organization that brings awareness to the fact that 22 servicemen and women a day commit suicide. Uh, obviously, that number way high. They're looking to do something about it. And so I have, uh, I kind of view that as a, um, as a worthy cause. And so I have chosen that as my charity. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, dude. That's, a, that's pretty good. So it tomorrow is. I'll uh, I'll be uh, guest bartending. I like saying it that way versus celebrity. That sounds like I'm trying to stroke myself. I like guest better. Tozy's Magnolia. I'll be there from 5 to 7. All right. This is obviously going to be a big part of the program today, buddy. Um, but Fantone had a, had a good seat, was in the house yesterday for the Cleveland Cavaliers game that did yeah. not go LeBron and company's way. Did not. It did not. Did so, not. You were there, man. I didn't even get to see it a whole lot. So, uh, you know, uh, walk me through it. What, what, like, what went wrong here? Well, I mean, I, I think what, what really went wrong is that you know the tone wasn't set yesterday, and 
up until like tip off, I felt like I was having a pretty good weekend. Like everything was going the tall guy's way. And then all of a sudden, dude, you could just feel Crash it. You could just feel it. As soon as that ball got tipped off and, uh, you know, the Cavaliers initially tried to go through Kevin Love and he just didn't make shots. I think he went 0 for 4 initially out of the gate. And at some point it like, was. When do you know? Like as a basketball fan, like when do you know when a guy that you can normally rely on, like oh god, like he, it's just not there. Is it zero and four? No, is it no, that fast? no, no. And okay. usually, and honestly, my whole thing was like, well, keep feeding him, dude. Like that's the thing. Let him like, get it warmed up. Yeah, yeah. You got to you, you have to establish it, and like he's definitely the secondary option. And you know, you you look at him as like the guy to kind of make things happen when you need stuff to happen. So you kind of have to keep feeding him, especially when guys are cold. I think if it's you know, if you dude, if you're getting into the third quarter and nothing's happening, then you know. It might be time to adjust plan, um, but the the Pacers just pulled out really quick on the Cavaliers, and all of a sudden you started seeing dudes fly off the bench, and all of a sudden it was like, man, Cavs have already played ten guys, and they've only scored four points, and I mean, like it, the quarter was almost over, and. They'd only scored ten, and I'm just looking at it, and my jaw just like on the ground, like it didn't, it, it didn't make sense. Now in basketball, a big thing that people get caught up on is did the shot go in or not, and like I, I understand why that's like, yeah, like you get caught up on that scoring. I try not to though, because like what I look for is like, are you playing a good game? Like shots fall and shots don't, and like you know, I'll sure. make I'll make room for that. Like you're gonna miss more than you than you than you you know, you're gonna miss more than you make. That's just the nature, the law of averages there, and. The the Cavs were struggling to 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 make a shot, and then once that happened, once the lid kind of went over the hoop, then they started to struggle to find a shot. Then they just kind of went out there and just looked anemic, and like nobody really knew what to do, Can't and they produce. just couldn't. Yeah, and they just needed something to happen there. And when that case comes, it's time for LeBron to do it. And don't get me wrong, LeBron had a fine game yesterday, Did he? but there was never a point it felt like where like he took. He Owner. took he took the ball and, and took ownership of it. It didn't feel that way to me. Wow, yesterday. that's that's rare. So like so there was just uh, uh, just just failures across the board. And I mean that's just looking at it kind of from that perspective of like you know uh, LeBron and the stars and Kevin Love. But like when you start looking at like what was happening with like the rotations and stuff yesterday. Okay, see this is what I find interesting though because like because th- I read about it. now I did not watch the game so I can't really have a full informed opinion on yesterday's performance or the coaching and the rotations. But I did read a lot about it. And I've read now that people have a big problem with this. Now, I am obviously going to harp on this because I was the guy that told you two seasons ago that Ty Lue was not necessarily ready to be an NBA coach or ready for this team. I maintain that Ty Lue is this and this alone. All Ty Lue is is not David Blatt. LeBron didn't like David Blatt, didn't want David Blatt, get rid of him. Ty Lue's on the end of the bench. He'll do. That's Ty Lue. You got Brad Stevens coaching the Boston Celtics without his two best players, they're winning games. That is an NBA coach. And I now I think it's pretty interesting now that people are ready to jump off board on Ty Lue because two years ago I was being called a hater. Well, but I mean at this point it's undeniable. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I think initially where you and I had a crossroads is is was whether Ty Ty Lue had a hard job or not. And like I said, yeah, kind of a hard job. You said no, not That's a hard job. That's where you job. and I had a crossroads. Right, Me and right, the audience right. had a different one. Um, but uh, you know, like really at this point, I mean, as you look at yesterday's game, there was just multiple points of like, dude, what? Where? Where? Where is your logic on this? Like, where? Like, 
like when you see Jeff Green literally being a non-factor out there, I mean, like uh, defensively wasn't able to really do anything and offensively didn't score a point, played I, I was something crazy like 27 minutes or something like that. When you have somebody out there who just not is getting the job done, I understand sticking with the plan. I genuinely do because I think that's a big part of problem in sports. People hit the panic button too soon. You go out there, you go 0 for 4, and then you're like, oh, Kevin Love got to sit him. Can't, can't let him take now another shot. Do? Right. No, you stick with your plan. You take, you, you know, you dance with the girl you took there. And like, I get that. But there comes to be a point where it's like, man, you have to be able to assess things as they're happening. And if you can't do that, if you can't see that Jeff Green is an anchor on the team right now, uh, where are you, bro? Like, this is another thing I found interesting is Cavs supporters yesterday wanted to say this a lot via Twitter. Relax, the Cavs are going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And I don't necessarily disagree. I guess what my next, my natural question would be, though, is what does fine mean? Does fine mean you're going to beat Indiana? Does fine mean you're going to the Eastern Conference Finals? Does fine mean you're going to the NBA Finals? What does fine mean? I would agree that losing one game to the Indiana Pacers, albeit at home, not necessarily time to go, oh, LeBron and company, they're terrible. Right. Let's give up. I'm right. not going to go overboard. But we do need to figure out what fine means. Well, yeah, I mean, and obviously your expectations are going to dictate your happiness and what you kind of view there. I, 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 I stand firm, and I before the series started, I said Cavs and six, and I'll continue to say Cavs and six For here. this series. For this series, okay. yes. And then from there, you just kind of keep on rolling. Um, It was exciting yesterday because, like, you walk into – to an atmosphere where you know it's playoff sports and it matters and it's important and the crowd was into Electric. it and people were ready. People, there were so many times people were ready to pop. You could just feel it. Like the Cavs would make a run, they'd get it within like five, six, seven or something like that, and then just boom, the balloon would get let, the, the, the air would get let out of the balloon, and you could just feel it. The entire like you know, whatever, there's twenty five thousand people just like. <sighs> now I didn't watch it, but I was I was keeping up with the score via like like an app on my phone, right? right? And so, like, I would open it up every 10 minutes or whatever and take a look at the score. And honestly, like, the Cavs were trailing so much, so much during the game that I thought, I was like, maybe my, my internet speed right. at my home's not, like, adjusting right. Ne- never had a lead yesterday. Cavs wow. never had a lead. Never I think went. it was tied at 4-4, four to four, and then after that, the Cavs never had a lead after that. Yikes. Um, uh, so one of the things yesterday that I know people are talking about is there were times, especially towards the end of the game, before the mass exodus, um, where people started booing. And people were like, well, is that the right thing to do? Is that the wrong thing to do? Is LeBron going to leave because the people booed at him and blah, 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 nah, blah, LeBron's blah. not leaving because people booed no. at him. Like, let's, I mean, no. uh, you know, people need to walk that back. And I, I don't know. It, there is going to be the argument of I paid for my ticket. I can boo. Yes. Right. Yes. That that's, is, that's where I stand on th- it is. Yeah. You have you have the availability to do that. That obviously is a, a credible argument. And I cannot deny that. I, however, though, think. That if you boo the Cavaliers, it's very much like we were talking about with the first break of the show, which is, oh, it's just Bon Jovi going into the Rock Hall. Right. I think if you boo the Cavaliers right. right now, it's because of how spoiled you have been. And you forget what the 20-win season with Kyrie Irving and who was it, Andrew Wiggins was like, or whatever it was, you forget what those were like. I, um... I, I did not boo. I mean, I wanted to. Like, there was just, you know, and it sucks too because you go and you spend, spend money, all that money and you're like, you know, you're, you're juiced. You're like, you're so excited. And like, and then it just, you know, it sucks. Are you willing to tell us what you spent on two tickets? And you're frustrated. Um, It was 43 bucks a ticket or something like that. So under okay. 100. I mean, that's the thing. But Play- still. First round of the playoff tickets are cheap. But then, you know, it was 30 bucks for parking and we went right. out to dinner. dinner. We went out, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, you know, right. We bought stuff in the team shop and we kind of like went and like did the so whole thing. So my point is, you still. Hundreds even, of dollars. You're right. Right. 
point. The fa- this is my point, is that you, Fantone, will have to then figure out the rest of your month. You made a decision to go to this Cavalier right, game. Right, to cut something else off. Where right. it was like, all right, I have to change you my budget. You have to plan. Right, I have to change my budget right. so that I can, I, I, can, I can decide to do this instead. Um, and it did, and it sucked. I didn't personally boo. I support your right to boo. I question, though... And I haven't been to a Browns game in, I don't know, a while. I'm sure they've been booed. When was the last time the Indians got booed? I, I, I don't know if that's happening at Progressive Field. And the Indians got swept out of the first round of the, uh, of the playoffs this year. Swept right out of them, well, dude. When nobody expected them. Team of destiny, team of destiny, team of destiny, and got their asses boop, swept right out of them. Well, in your bearing the lead, I think, well, that was the year after they lost the World Series when they had a 3-1 lead. Right. Right. So, like, when was the last time the Indians were getting booed? Is I it, don't know. It might, it, it might, it might have been. You know what I'm saying? Two years ago, it might be, it might have been yesterday. Is it, is it the difference in the sport? Is what does know. that? I don't know. I think at least a part of the difference is LeBron. He's just a lightning rod, and people, and, and dude, and the people, the guys sitting behind me. Oh my god, they were insufferable. So, all right. And so, like, I saw some of your girlfriend's tweets on this. Right. Okay. And she, she asked this question. So I'm glad you brought this up because I completely forgot. But she tweeted out. Your girlfriend tweeted out that. If you're here at a sporting event with your bros and you're just trashing the team, why are you even here? And so, like, so these guys, uh, they were anti-Cavs or it wasn't like they were fans of the other team. No, 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 no. But they were just ready to jump up and down on it. They were. And, like, I, I, I can't lie and say that I don't do that with the Browns because, like, there's truth to that that I do. But, like, it, it, it was just so different because it's like, dude, They're you're more deserving. Well, and you're in a playoff series right here, dude. Like, it's one thing to, it's one thing to admit because I, you could read it all over me yesterday. I mean, imagine I was, if the Browns were in the wild card. You, 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 could, you could see it all over me yesterday as I was sitting there. Like, my body language, I could just tell I was upset. My girlfriend just kept saying, like, oh, it's okay, babe. Like, you could tell, and everybody had that on them. But these dudes behind us, they were just insufferable when it came to, like, and and I understand everyone's going to have observations and we all think we know sports better than we do. Um, but him telling like LeBron what to do, like the guy behind me telling LeBron like, oh, yeah, LeBron. Well, maybe if you made that free throw, maybe practice a little bit more on that free throw. Stop worrying about that movie. And I'm like, shut up, dude. It's now, LeBron F and James, right. dude. Like, dude. That's crazy. Like there are certain things that are crazy. You want to tell now I'm going back. He no longer plays, but uh, but people will will get the reference. You want to tell Shaquille O'Neal to practice free throws. All right. You you mean to tell me LeBron James hasn't practiced the free throw? Come on, sometimes you just miss. Yeah, and I, I, like I said, I was frustrated. I understand. I'm, I'm, they I'm win con- the series, though, right? Yes, I'm concerned as a Cavaliers fan that this that this window has already been shut. What I felt like was a shutting window is now a shut window. I agree. I 100. I, 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 I agree that that's a very real concern for me. But like this guy was just, I mean, just terrible yesterday. My terrible. only concern about yesterday's game is really this. I wasn't going to overreact. I I know people think I'm going to because I'm a LeBron supporter, but when things don't go well, I, I, I will point out where some problems lie with him. But I, I'm not going to go overboard. But what I will say is the guy literally just said two weeks ago that winning and family will depict where he plays in the future. And if you get blown out in your home court in game one, Oh, and if dude, if, I the, if the Cavaliers get swept out in this first round, LeBron is gone. No question well, in my mind. Swept, no, I think, no. might be crazy. Well, but, dude, even it just, but if you just lose, lose, even the lose, losing seven, losing four, whatever. If the Cavaliers don't make it out of this first round, then I mean, why would you stick around? This is what makes why, why Le- would you? This is what makes LeBron great. That if you lose the series, he'll feel like he got swept anyway. What's the difference? That's what makes him great. 
And I agree with you that, that honestly, I feel like the window may be, I don't know if it's all the way shut. It's definitely only open. It's open way less than people think it is. If I showed him, and that's the thing, here's the thing is, is, is if you look at the Jeff Green minutes yesterday and how can I argue with LeBron leaving? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not giving you what you need. We're not changing the plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, uh, what are you going to get pissed at him? Like, how? I'm being told by a huge Indians fan, so I know, I believe I can trust this. David saying Tribe got booed when Chris Perez called the fans out. That's probably the last time. But again, years ago. Yeah, not only that, but a player had to like engage. The, okay, the, like, yeah, it wasn't I mean? on the field. Something. Yeah, like okay. the player had to engage in something there. Like this was about play. And I, I, I think you're right. I think NBA fans and definitely football fans probably more prone to complain and boo like that than via the Indians fans. And I think I ultimately you are correct, Fantone, in the fact that it is all about LeBron James. That honestly, people just expect that guy to be a highlight reel every time the ball's in his hand and constantly win. Well, because for 15 years, that's what it's been. And so when you don't get it, when you're actually in the building, then you feel compelled and oh, I paid for my ticket. I know you did. I know you did. Boo all you want. Boo all you want. Here's all I want for you after you booed is don't buy game but don't buy tickets to game three. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. Hang on. The Stansberry Show. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 1069 online for you at WRQK.com and making you a thousand dollars richer at 710 this morning. You'll get your next keyword, you'll text it in, you'll have a thousand bucks. Nice. Buy yourself some new, some new golf clubs, but just with, with less than that, actually. How uh, how the golf game go this weekend, buddy? Uh, I came back down to earth a little. Okay, but but not terrible. I'm still very very happy with the money I spent. Um, I uh, I have a I have an ominous feeling about how today's going to go. Okay. Um, I feel as if the boss man and I are going to exchange words today. I hope not. No, I feel like he is. Um, um, I believe he has done something to agitate me by design, and it is designed to make me come see him to spur another conversation. He kind of will do that from oh, yeah. time to time. Okay. Yeah. Right? And I feel like he has done this to force a conversation so he can go, oh, yeah, since you're in here anyway, let me tell you about this. That's, uh, it's like people who go to the doctor, like, oh, yeah, I have such a, you know, such a bad cough. Oh, and I've got this giant thing growing out of the side of me. Right. Like, well, you didn't really come here for the cough. Then. Exactly right. Okay. All right. What has happened here is that you, the listener, can go to WRQK.com and you can send feedback on the radio station directly to the programming boss here, okay? And I don't get to see that before he does. So when you write in about the show or whatever, he sees it and then he's the one that then will send that stuff out. Now, if you send me stuff to Facebook and like that, I am the person who gets that. But if you go through the station's website, I do not pre-screen that. I am only given what he chooses to give me. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously 8 million different ways to reach people. And I think for the most part, you and I have access to all the social media. So if you do message the Rock 106.9 Facebook page. I see that. Yeah, I, you, you know, one of us. One of us. Hey, man, make sure you check this out. An actual person. See, well. I mean, not saying our boss is an actual person, but with that email system through the website, yes, you're right. It goes directly to him. Now, he will then only send me things from WRQK.com that are listener-related when you are unhappy with the program. It's never, or I should not say never, it is very rarely that when somebody is listening to something that we are talking about and has a, has a good point on it, they email that in, will he send me that to help me extend the conversation? Very rarely. When he sends me these, it's when you don't like it. 
The thing I'm going to say about that is that I think the avenue of emailing the program director is more likely than not going to be used for complaints. You know what I'm saying? Compliments are going to be on social media because it's like, well, I don't care who gets this. I just want to tell him good job. Okay. Where it's like, where it's like, if I hate this dude and I I want to complain to his boss, that's the avenue to go. You know what I mean? Like, okay. they, they know that it's a little bit more formal than sending a tweet in. You know what? I did not necessarily think that out before that, and so you are probably right about that 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 what he has to choose from there's probably more negative than positive yeah and now, i'm not saying that he's still not making that move he knows what he's doing but yeah. now i have done this long enough to know that there is in no way ever are you going to do a show that even the people who like you are going to like every day right and i understand that not all of you listening will like what i do on the radio and as a matter of fact i always say this I don't like everything I do on the radio. There are many times I leave here and go, oh, God, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Had you had a two hours more right. sleepy, you wouldn't have said this. Right. You wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't, Right? So I don't like everything that happens on the radio. <laughs> and I am all for criticism. Okay? I am all for it because, dude, iron sharpens iron. And so, like, that's how I kind of feel about it. You do need to gut check yourself and go, okay, dude, this is, and I always say this, right? It's not my show. It's your show. I'm just the guy that gets paid to do it for you. That's the way it works. That's the way I view it, is that this is not, it does not belong to me. It belongs to you because you are the ones consuming it, okay? But I took this piece of criticism via my boss because he wanted me to hear it because he, th- he wants to let me know that people hate me. And it's like, dude, I know people hate me. Like, I know people hate me, Right? But I actually really like this piece of criticism because I had been feeling that we were getting too guilty of doing the other thing. So let me read it to you. He writes in and tells the boss. His name's Drake. Where did you guys find this Stansberry character? Now, once you go to character, I know who you are, right? I know who you are. I can pretty much put you in a box. I can figure out who you are. That character, that character, okay, right? Okay. I, I know who you are, All right? right? All so right. once you go to character, you're probably outside the scope of who it is we're really trying to get uh, anyway, right? But he says that listening to me is like listening to an opinionated 14-year-old, which I think is hysterical, and somebody make that an imaging piece right now. I want that to be the show promo for the next three months. Actually, let's be honest. If we make a new show promo, it'll be the promo for the next two years. So let's make it that. I love it. Have it like a super opinionated 14-year-old. Make it the imaging piece. I like that. But then he says his topics are some of the most juvenile I've heard on the radio ever. And this is where I was happy to have read this. Because when I listen back to the podcast while during the afternoon while at the gym, which is what I've been doing lately so I can help make myself better at this, is to go back and review the tape and listen. So that's primarily what I've been listening to at the gym is this show. I have been worried that we have gotten too serious and we're not juvenile enough. That a lot of the program that they had lately has been about the transformation, about what's going on in my therapist's office, about me growing up and finding the better version of me. That I feel like so much of the show has been that, that we're, we haven't been juvenile enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously our personal lives. And then I think there's just a heaviness kind of in the world right now where it's like whether we want to or not, we've had to talk a lot about, you know, hot you know topic how, issues. Like, you know how hard I had to work today to put a rundown together that does not have the name Syria in it? A lot. I had to do some mental gymnastics to try to find enough things that don't have. The, and I'm, dude, we're gonna, by the way. I'm not going to Syria today. Will I go there this week, next week, the month? Yes, obviously, of course. But I wanted to not do it today. 
So uh, my thing is, I don't think we're juvenile enough. There's shows on the radio where guys crap their pants. There's shows on the radio. I mean, to, the, to, to make the to make the point that we're the most juvenile thing on the radio, yeah, I think it's crazy. Uh, come on, I think it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, come on. I really do. We tackle some very serious, in-depth, personal issues, topics on this program. I, I, I think you and I, you know, and I definitely don't want to speak for you here, but I think you and I do a good job of this, and we really challenge each other in this. Is like, dude. It's not always just going to be, you know, bong rips. You, well, right. Well, it's not always going to be one thing. It's not always going to be bong rips. But at the same time, I don't want it to always be like, hey, smell my taint. But at the same time, I don't want it to be like, all right, well, now we're going to talk about, you know, well, is, is the amount of Syrian refugees, you know, enough? Blah, 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 blah. It's like we don't want to be either of those things. Yes, sometimes you have to wade into both waters, but like, I, I don't, I don't want to be just one of those so, things. Ultimately, this criticism has made me happy, like I said, because I was worried I was like man dude if you're just a rock radio purist right that there's probably a lot of times you listen where you're like dude i get it you were molested as a kid right. i get it you're in your therapist i get it you don't you're in your mom or complicated i get it dude just talk to me about masturbating i right. think there's a lot right. of, i think there are times where people like come to rock radio and they're not necessarily getting what they know so like to hear somebody complain about us being juvenile i was like okay well i obviously haven't gone too far the other way there's still this out there there's still this opinion out there now that still leaves the bigger issue of my boss only wanting me to know when people dislike me and I got to know where that comes from. And so I think I'll be in Chubby's office today finding out. Dude, you know exactly where it comes from. You already like I can already see this movie. I can already watch it happening in my head. You're going to go in there and he's going to be like, "Yeah, everyone does hate you, Stan's very." Like, of course he's going to say that. Dude, of course. If they could bomb you like Syria, <laughs> they would. More Stansberry show and a shot at $1000 next on Rock 1069. Good morning. The Stansberry show. Or the god of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 1069. Online for you at WRQK.com. Coming up at 9 o'clock, we have a piece of audio of Gene Simmons admitting he was wrong. Dude, I have been a Gene Simmons fan since I was five years old. No joke. I fell in love with them when I uh, first came across a Kiss Pinball machine in an arcade when I was on vacation with my family. And uh, I've been a fan ever since. I tell you that to tell you this, that I can't remember the last time Gene Simmons admitted he was wrong on anything. Yeah, it really was kind of like, whoa. This isn't, so it's, it's, the reason to play this audio is a, a couple of reasons deep, but one of them is that reason. It's not just because I'm a huge Kiss fan, and I am, full disclosure, but like, it's not that. It's literally because I can't believe he said it. And especially what he says he's wrong about, because that always kind of was one of the things I knew about Staunch. Gene Simmons. Was that like Staunch. This was one of those things that he was yes. about, and to hear him say he's wrong. Absolutely. So 9 o'clock, we'll play you that. We're also going to get in some uh, audio here for you as well. Um, we try not to go overboard with the sentimental, this celebrity has lost their life thing. Now, we got a little carried away with Tom Petty. Again, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan, so we got a little carried away that morning with that. All right, But overall, we try not to go crazy with it. I mean, I think there's a fine line there of appreciating somebody after they've died and then going into full meltdown mode on social media. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's just, oh, it's breaking my heart. The world will never be the same again. And it's like, I don't know, dude, you can still listen to changes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. you can still you can still listen to Purple Rain. Exactly. There's nothing stopping you. So Arlie Emery has died. Now, you will remember him for... I mean, he was in a couple of different things, but Full Metal Jacket was like it. That was like the thing people know about him. And he turned that into a lifelong 
thing. I mean, dude, Comic Cons, all that stuff. He's oh, he was always at those things, taking pictures, signing autographs, doing that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, been in stuff, but that was the launching point, and it turned it into. He really was at one point. I mean, and it's uh, kind of like a, a a a bigger than you know. He it was he was in Toy Story. Like he was like you know in a million different movies that you didn't necessarily expect him to be. Commercials like turned himself kind of into like a pop icon. He was kind of like one of those reverse mortgages kind of guys on TV. Like he was like kind of one of those. Had his own TV show. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Like had his own. Like there's plenty of stuff that he did outside of just that. You know, just Full Metal Jacket. Now he had actually been a drill instructor. In the Marine Corps, he had actually served this country Which in in I, that manner. I, I I did not know that. I thought I had heard years ago. Wives' that, tale, right? Something like that he wasn't yeah. even really in the military. But yeah, I, if I this saw is that. to be believed, and 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 I do. I I, I believe it. That, that 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 was a true thing, and that's kind of how he got that role is because he kind of knew how to do it. Um, he was brought on to set at uh, for Full Metal Jacket as like a uh, you bring him on to make sure that the details are right. You know what I'm saying? Like as an advisor kind of role of like, for all scope. right, right, hey, yeah. hey, can you make sure that this is right? Does is this, this really right? is this really yeah. what would happen in this situation? He was so intense with everybody on set. He was so like in your face with everybody uh, that Kubrick was like, all right, dude, you're the guy. Oh, that's right. Y- the, you're the guy. This was Kubrick. I always thought this was Oliver Stone. It wasn't. Um. So we have some audio from that movie, obviously. I don't know how you talk about this guy and not run down some of the most famous things from the movie. So we will take a look. Let's take a listen to that. Sir, no, sir. Sir, I said it, sir. Well, no What have we got here? A comedian, private joker. I admire your honesty. Hell, I like you. You can come over to my house and my sister. Wait, wait a minute. 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 You can come over to my house? And blank my sister? Dude's like 45 years old. Why's your sister live there, dude? Why's your, why, why's your sister living with you? It's Come weird. over to my house and my sister. Yeah. You little scumbag. I've got your name. I've got your ass. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Now get up. Get on your feet. You had best un yourself or I will unscrew your head and down your neck. Jesus. Sir, yes. Private Joker, why did you join my beloved corps? Sir, to kill, sir! So you're a killer? Sir, yes, sir! Let me see your war face. Sir! You got a war face? Ah! That's a war face! Now let me see your war face! Ah! Bullshit! You didn't convince me! Let me see your real war face! Ah! You don't scare me! Work on it! Sir, yes, sir! So there, there's Arlie Emery. Now what I find interesting about this is that we just told you that he ended up getting this role because he had been an, an advisor on set, and then they realized, well, let's just get the guy who did this to do it. Right. So my point being is, is that the way he's talking to those guys, at least for the era, was standard. Now, I don't know what they do today. But in this country today, that's bullying, right? In this country today, that that's... That's you don't do that. Honestly, from from you know, I, I'm sure there's more than enough veterans that are listening right now. I really would kind of like to know, like, how realistic was that portrayal? You know what I'm saying? Because like, I, I mean, well, do drill sergeants are not nice. No, 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 no. By by no stretch, I mean, they're not wet nurses. By by no stretch do I think they would be. You know what I'm saying? Like, of, of course they're not. So I, I mean, yeah, I, w- I would love to have some perspective on that. I'm willing to bet it's closer than not. But what I want to know is, in 2018, is it still closer than not? 
because we we now again the military is different than like other places but we have gone through this country with a fine tooth comb dude on like what's acceptable as far as bullying or getting in somebody's face or yelling at them and what's right and what's the right way to motivate and you don't understand and we're all individuals and this we're dude the military is not an individual you are an army of one well and if the military has found that like hey this isn't the best way to do things i'm gonna fall i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt you know what i'm saying like sure. uh, that's that's where i kind of lie on it I, I, like i said i don't know which way i just i am curious to know because when you listen to that honestly for everything we're told today about how coaches shouldn't speak this way anymore and this shouldn't be this way anymore that there was a what that at least for a time in this country to get people to be in line in a group like that that you did kind of get them like that that you do break them down mentally to build them back up the way the, the way you want them to be I don't I don't remember the movie because I probably haven't seen it since I was like 15. Wasn't that the whole point is that the, this guy snaps at the end? Right? No, no, no. no? The, I don't think it's the whole point of the movie. One guy does snap after uh, after like, you know, uh, boot I, I camp don't, I don't and shoots himself. I but I don't think it's the that was the point of that section of the movie. Once they get in country and the and the they start getting into the war, the movie takes like a different shape. People like that movie because of the boot camp po- portion though. Yeah, when I saw this and I mean like I, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah. And I think I was probably like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 when I watched it. So I necessarily didn't have the appreciation for it. I think it was just one of those movies that I was supposed to watch because it's like, oh, no, dude, you know, yeah. you got to check this out. I and really then I, I, I just I just really don't remember it. So a few vets who listen to us every morning right. have reached out via social media already and told me, look, dude, I can't speak to it now. But in the 1990s, it was absolutely still like that. And Cliff reminded me of this, and I would agree, Cliff, not knowing the rest of what his performances were, but he says his best role besides Full Metal Jacket would have been in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake playing yeah. the sheriff, and he was pretty good in that. Yeah, he was good in that. And like I said, I mean, it, like, it wasn't just in a couple of things. Like, I mean, the fact that he was in, like, the Toy Story movies just speaks to, like, dude, you were a legit, like, you you know, you had TV shows. You you were more than just an actor. You, 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 were, you were kind of on that other level. Gary uh, writes in and says, I went through boot camp in 19. 19- that is very realistic for me, except there was no physical violence, which I, I could see. I could see them guys not hitting you, not punching you. I could see that. He says, but they do break you down to build you back up. It is constant verbal abuse. And I would agree. I have said many, 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 many times that, dude, if you bully somebody and you do it by like broom handle and you're inserting that in their body, that that is not bullying. But that a certain portion of this, a certain amount of this for team building and getting everybody focused on the same goal is not only a good idea, but my best guess is it is absolutely vital in that process. We just are losing the stomach for that. And I worry what that will mean in the end for a lot of these organizations and sports and activity and those kinds of things. I worry about what will happen with that. Your shot at $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. 810, we'll pass out another $1,000. And then around 845, we're going to get you hooked up at these Poison Cheap Trick tickets for June 12th out of Blossom. That's a good show, man. I love Cheap Trick. I feel like Cheap Trick's a little underrated. Your favorite band's favorite band. Yes. Agreed. Dude, the amount of guys and women who have served this country in the military who are reaching out to me telling us that 
drill sergeants are scary close to what Arlie Emery was like. Now, a lot of guys who were writing in are, you know, like, do you serve in the 80s? Do you serve in the 90s? But Brian wrote in and told me, dude, he served in 2008. Okay. So that's about 10 years years ago. ago. Okay. He says, it's, it was still like that in 2008. That's the, that's the most recent guy I've heard from. And because I was at, I was making the point that I wonder if it still goes down that way because we've kind of kind of gone through things with a fine tooth comb and it's like ah you don't really treat people like that where I feel like in the military you probably still have to do it I think it's probably still vital to break down to build up to 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 create that do you are not an individual the um the concepts of military and kind of what that all has to be I feel like is so unique from what the rest of the world has to deal with that a different set of standards and kind of rules is going to be okay is going to be okay and really or I mean is, I was going to say is necessary just based on like I don't know like if, if from from day 1 till it, it all seems over to me it just seems like such a complicated thing in the sense of like okay now we need you to be ready to be you know you like you said an army of one ready to go kill somebody in the sense of what if, if, if you're put into that situation and then they're done with that and they have to reassimilate to like normal civilian life and like it just to me it's just so, it, it, that it's so I, I can't put myself into it because I've been there you know what I mean so yeah. I don't know what it takes I like, feel like military service is one of those things you never really get out of Oh, of course. Like you went in, but it's with you forever. Of course. I it's, mean, how many how many dudes you know that are, are exactly that guy where they they can't let that piece of it go? It's almost, and I hate to relate these two things because they're vastly different, and 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 um, one is very can be very very positive, and the other one has got zero positives to it. But that it's almost like being an addict. It's with you forever. It's like, dude, if you served yes. in the military, it's with you forever. It's 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 a tipping point where it's like once you once you hit, turn that corner, once you move that to that part of your life, it's never the same again. You know what I mean? And like for better, for worse, for whatever it is, I I think that's a fair assessment. I think, dude, listen to this. A guy writing in on Twitter says, "I was at boot camp right during ni- on nine eleven. Says we were doing the rifle drill Oof. that evening. Oof. One of the guys in line messed up. He's claiming here, and I believe this guy says." The drill instructor lost it, came into our formation, choked the kid out, and we all just stood there and kind of had to watch it. Because what do you, you can't, I mean, you can't, what are you, you can't to do? yeah, you no. can't do anything. And I, so it's like, now look, you get physical, I'm kind of out on that. Like, I, but again, I don't know. I don't know where that I mean, line is. I don't know where that line is in that, line in that is. situation. You know what I mean? If, 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 if we were talking about my kid's football team and a coach did that, that's one thing completely different than the military. You know what I mean? Like, if that's the protocol and procedure, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I make room for the fact that I don't know. I don't. I, I am hearing that the Marines make it a point. Hazing is unacceptable after boot camp. And from what I've understood. From after boot camp. Yeah. From okay. what I understand, it is unacceptable amongst your peers, the hazing. From what I understand, but that if a if a superior wants to haze you underneath him, that that is allowed. Now, here's the thing I'm going to say about all this is that, like, yes, I am making room for the fact that, like, there's situations that this is going to be okay. I also see how opening up that door opens up a lot. You know what I'm saying? I know we've talked in the past about, well, once you say slippery slope, you've lost the argument. But like you can see how quickly that could get out of control. So it's like, you know, I, I, I understand why there also has to be checks and balances in place there. So this came out the other day. And um, a lot of people hit me up on it because we, we will discuss marijuana on this show a lot. All right. It's um, it's, it's a national subject. Um, It's, it's widely debated and people have an opinion. Now, I am a supporter. I believe in full-on legalization of marijuana. I don't know what the hell we're waiting on. I feel like it is less. As a matter of fact, as a guy who has used both things, I feel like I can tell you from my own life that alcohol is 
Uh, you know what? Be, I, I want to be careful about what I say there. But ultimately, that I feel like it, it poses no more danger to you than a six-pack of, of, of beer would, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I feel about it. it. it and it, if you go home and drink six beers, to me, that's you might as well go home and roll a joint. It, but there's no difference. It, it falls within the realm of what we allow our adults to do has always been the thing to me, where it's like, if you can drink beers, then you should be able to smoke weed. If you can jump out of a plane, you should be able to smoke weed. If you can smoke cigarettes, you should be able to smoke weed. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at. Now, I get accused sometimes of not pointing out some of the negatives that come with marijuana, which I think is crazy because I'm the one guy. I'm the one guy who stands up and tells you that even though I support it, that telling children that marijuana is not addictive is one of the biggest lies that this country's ever put forth, and it has harmed us. It's a lie to adults, dude. I mean, it is. Whether you're telling kids that or telling yourself that or telling other adults that, at the end of the day, how many people do you know that just can't put the pipe down? And there's a ton of them. And, like, it's not, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people who can't put a bottle down, but it's like it doesn't mean that that's okay. I can tell you from my personal life, the amount of times that I will make rules or deals with myself about that substance and then break those rules, break those rules for myself is enough to tell me that it holds addictive properties. I'm just going to go one day without smoking, just 24 hours. And then you're like, well, no, it's Tuesday. It's a tough afternoon for me. Dude, the amount of times I will be getting close to where we are running out, and I'll be like, I'm just not going to call my dude. I'm just not going to call. And then before I'm even totally out, I call the guy and be like, dude, are you ready tomorrow? Let's meet up tomorrow. Of course you're not going to call him. You're going to text him. like an adult. All right, all right. Are we calling people? Psychopaths? But I'm making the point that to tell people that marijuana isn't addictive is a 100% factual... Dude, that is a lie. That is a lie. And I think it's been stated on the Stansberry show as well. Um, I think I can speak for both of us here. Uh, smoking things are bad. Like, at the end of Lighting the day... Lighting things on fire, inhaling and, and it, inhaling it is bad. Not like, good. it is. It's, you can't be like, no, dude, it's the medicine for everything. Everything's going to be cured, bro. I'm just going to smoke. It's going to cure my lung cancer, bro. No. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Okay. And again, another negative that I just found out about this morning. Okay. Because again, again, I get accused of not pointing out when things go bad with marijuana. Yeah. Apparently, in Hugo, Colorado, and Colorado is always the one where I go to. Look, they're spending, they're they're giving mm-hmm. money back to the to the taxpayers. They're actually taking homeless veterans and putting them in apartment complexes with the money made off of marijuana. They're good? actually taking the profits and housing homeless veterans with the marijuana money, with weed money. Looking at you, booze. Looking at you. Right? Yeah, so with yeah, me, looking at you, booze. Yeah. Booze got some money. I don't know if you guys know this, but the booze people, they got some cash well, in their pockets. How often has booze marched itself up to patriotism, much like the NFL did? How often has booze yeah, done that? Yeah. Looking at you, yeah, booze. Yeah, yeah, dude. Here's the red, white, and blue exclusive can. It says USA, USA on it. Yeah. Right? So here's a negative right. happening in Hugo, Colorado. They have found THC in the water Oof. in Hugo, Colorado. Now, at first, listen, I go, oh, my God, that's terrible. We got to rethink this until I start to think about the fact that there's lead in the water in Michigan. There's lead in the water in Michigan, and we don't care enough to fix it. By the way, they actually found out there's lead in the water in Ohio, too. Indiana, all the surrounding states. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure those I'm sure those pipes that were laid in the 1920s are holding up fine, guys. Don't worry about it. Surprise. Fine. It's good. So if there's lead in my water, do I care if there's THC um, in it? Maybe the THC balances out what the lead's going to do to me. I would like to know. I mean, I think Canton, Ohio is a pretty pot-smoking town. I think Stark County is pretty high. Well, you probably I, I up would, the usage. I would, I would like to know what the amount of marijuana marijuana within like the public water is here. I think that would be interesting to find out. I also would like to know 
uh, how much how much uh, Vicodin, how many painkillers, how many opiates in our water system right now? Because obviously those are there too. I mean, we're talking about this this epidemic of overprescribed drugs. Those are coming out in your piss. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you when you when you're when you're you know using whatever it is, it's coming out of you. So yeah, I mean, it's totally going into the water system. Wow, there. I would have never broken it down that far, but yeah. But I mean, like, look at all the kids on you know Adderall or whatever prescription drugs and all that. I would love to know what those numbers are because I guarantee you that shows up in our water again if you have netflix watch take your pills watch that documentary it will open your eyes to the problem that is adderall in this country it will open your eyes to it and again i always say this you want to talk about over prescription of opiates you didn't think they did it with ritalin you didn't think they were doing it with xanax you didn't think they were doing it with adderall you think kickbacks started with synthetic heroin that's crazy that thought that thought process is nuts this has been going on in this country forever now, as THC is not water soluble, like that's why you can't make weed tea, and you can ma- you can make weed butter. You know what I'm right. saying? Like you can cook it in fat, but that's where, and that's why it sticks to your body. And you can't like you can't necessarily drink enough to like get wa- get to get THC out of your system because it's on your fat cells. Like it sticks to that. Sure. I wonder if I wonder if you pour over a glass of 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 wherever this was in Colorado. If you get a glass of that water, is that going to be? I mean, it's not going to get you high. I'm not trying to say that, but is that going to be enough in, in, in that water? Since it's not water soluble, is it going to be anything that's going to negatively impact people, or is it just there? I obviously don't know, but my guess would be is you're probably going to be all right. I would you're, assume you're probably going to be all right. I would assume. Now, I I brought all this up to tell you this because people kept shoving this article in my face, saying to me, "See." Like, they released a list of the people who are going to use marijuana and the people most likely to do it. And you know what happened? You know what they found out? That young people ages 18 to 25 are the most likely. And people in the, like, service industry, like restaurants, hotels, those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. That's the profession most likely to use it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And people kept sending me to say, see, 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 as if it was bad. And guys, I'm not, I will never, I would never say that a waiter or waitress job is a job that does not matter. Right. I'm not going to say that, but it is a non-serious job. It is a non, what my point being is it's not heart surgery. Okay. 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 You yes. see what I'm saying? So okay. like, if those are people, dude, if my waiter stoned, it does nothing to my meal. If nothing. You, if you don't think that you've received food from somebody who's high before, I am here to tell you, you are wrong. 100% wrong. Wrong. That's a fact, dude. I am 100% secure in saying that at some point in your life, somebody stoned off their ass, handed you some food, and said, There you go, buddy. Go ahead and enjoy it. And, like, who cares? Dude, like, listen to this. What does it matter? I'm not going to tell you this guy's name until he gives me the permission to do right. it. Okay. But he did tweet in and say, Dude, I was once on 30 plus pills a day. I have since switched over to CBD oils to help replace my pills. My doctor was a huge help in the transition from opiates to CBD oils. He believes strongly in the cannabis cures. Um, we uh, we had Dr. Matt Noyes in uh, in studio. What was he that did. last week or two weeks ago? Talking about the medical marijuana field, and I think it's September is when things are really supposed to get rolling with that in Ohio. So we'll have uh, him back on again. It'll be I inter- liked him. It'll be interesting to see what like what further developments happen here. A major breakup happened in Fantone's life. Yeah. He's been busted up about it all morning. Sad. Fantone vents next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 1069. 6-9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 1069. I will be guest bartending tomorrow night. 
I'll be at uh, Tozy's in Magnolia, which I believe is 144 North Main Street in Magnolia. I'll be there from 5 to 7. People have asked. I'll be there probably a little longer than 7 o'clock. I'll hang out a little while longer. Um, but I am going to guest bartend. They asked me to uh, pick a charity uh, where the proceeds will go, and I have chosen Save 22. Save 22 is an organization here locally that brings awareness to the fact that 22 servicemen and women who have served this country take their lives after they get back home. Um, that's a day, by the way. That's 22 a day. Crazy. Crazy day. number. Now, here's what I know about numbers and stats and this and that is that, dude, if, if, the num- if, the num- if they figured out the number's 22, it's actually higher than that. Because think about the ones that go unreported. So it, it's actually going to be higher than that. But Save 22, I feel like, is a very um, worthy cause. And so I will be uh, guest bartending for their benefit tomorrow. And as a matter of fact, coming up a, again in May, I believe it's, it's I, God, I hope I'm right on this. May 5th, I believe. Sounds right to me. They're doing a hike, and uh, I will be taking part in hiking in that as well. Yeah, and just as a heads up about that hike, uh, I know they had a band cancel on them. I don't know if they were able to resolve that or not. I don't but know that either. The yeah. dudes at Save 22, I know we're looking for a band. Um, you know, you mentioned obviously a very, very, very worthy cause as number one, it's supporting veterans. Number two, it's anti suicide. So, like, that's a two birds with one stone in my Huge. opinion um, but dude a lot of integrity in that organization too it's a group that you can donate to that you can volunteer with and feel good about with what you're doing knowing that it's not going towards you know whatever uh, whatever you yeah. know there's so many issues that people are like oh I've, I've donated this money and CEOs those dudes don't take money out of it it all goes to veterans and, and preventing suicide amongst them so it's an awesome organization so we'll see you tomorrow night Tessie's yeah. Magnolia you will see me all right, buddy. I uh, I saw this and I was like, okay, this is this fake news? Is this really happening? Fake and then, news. And then uh, and then and then my next thought, because of the organization, was is oh, this is all part of the gimmick. Yeah. But now I, after talking to you this morning, it turns out maybe not. For those of you that don't know, WWE fans are besides themselves this morning because yeah. the first couple. Yeah. John Cena, Nikki yeah. Bella. Yeah. Splitsville. Yeah. Buddy, you gonna make it? I don't know, man. I don't know. Your you boys, know? your boys, your boys had a rough past twenty four hours, dude. Uh, I feel like the weekend started off phenomenally for me. Friday was beautiful, everything was great, and then by the time like Sunday evening came around, I was just a shell of a man, dude. Cavaliers lost, John Cena, Nikki Bella breaking up. I really don't know uh, how I'm gonna carry on from this point. Um, but no, as far as I can tell, this not is, gimmick. This is not a gimmick. This is not a part of the show. Okay. Um, this is. Is, you know, obviously John Cena, arguably the biggest star in the past 20 years for WWE um, and his smoking hot fiance, dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. WWE is filled with chicks that could be porn stars just because, you know, Vince McMahon pays for him to get boobs. Sure, and, you yeah, know, yeah. you're obviously a fit person to be kind of involved Whoa. in that. Dude, you buried the lead. Does Vince actually pay? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, like, two two new chicks just came out, and they were gone because they were in NXT, which is, like, the developmental territory, like, the developmental kind of, like, the um, the G League or the minor leagues for the, for, the, for, the, for the WWE. They were gone for, like, two months and then just came out after WrestleMania. Both of them had new hooters, and it was because, I mean, it was because, like, they had to take that break because once you get that surgery, it's going to take you a little bit of time to, to, to rehab. And, yeah, Vince totally pays for them all to do it. WWE totally base for that. Oh, I just would assume that that would have nah, been part of what you were responsible nah, for. Nah, dude, no. That's why. I mean, it's like, you know, you go to work and they're like, all right, well, here's, you know, here's your, you know, your tools and here's your this and here's your that and here's how we get the job done. They give us computers here. They got to give them fake boobs. Dude. <laughs> like, you got to, you know. Now, see, women, 
This is one male dominated yeah. society, right? Yeah. Like, I bet if Rusov's up there in his tidy whities and he doesn't have a big <laughs> enough, you know, unit, I don't think Vince is paying for the, you know, the, the extends, does he? Does um, he do that? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a penis See? enlargement contract that you can get. I don't know if Brock Lesnar has so signed not, to that one. Do not oh. only do these dudes have to take things that shrink their balls, uh-huh. then Vince doesn't pay for the ball expansion. No, no, nope. Those dudes just the tiny little ones left over. Jeez. So, um, dude, so let me ask you this. Okay. Cena. Yeah. I mean, dude, he could slay what? Oh. Like 85% of the famous women in the in the world? Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, number one, super rich, like tons of money John Cena had. Number two is the all-time leader when it comes to wishing or making or granting make-a-wish yes. wishes. Like he, and it's not even close. Like it's not even like, no, he's, it, he's, he's like six doubled. times, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he's doubled at least number two. And I mean, so he is just constantly out there with little cancer kids saying like, no, you're the champ, baby. No, you're the champ, little cancer kid. It's you, baby. How many, dude, how many cancer moms he choke out in his bedroom? Oh man. Day? Well, see, and that's the thing. Nasina was originally married when he started and, uh, Divorced his wife and shortly thereafter ended up dating Nikki Bella. And obviously, you know, he was sleeping with Nikki Bella private, you know, pr- previous to divorcing his wife. Sure. Um, so a lot of people are suspecting, like, well, is he banging some new WWE chick? Like, and I, I guess I couldn't be shocked if he yeah, was. Yeah, I would imagine, right? You're on the road um, all the time. You're around one another all the time. It's like, do people in radio hook up all the time, too? She's been out. Nikki Bella hasn't necessarily been out on the road and, like, doing matches with him because she, like, broke her neck. And I don't know if he stuck around with her through that neck break. But, like, I mean, he engaged, or he proposed to her at WrestleMania. Like, at WrestleMania. I got it right here. This is what you're prepared for? Yeah. <laughs> I have been waiting so long to ask you this. Stephanie Nicole Garcia Colas. Going with the real name there. Will you marry me? And everybody loses their mind. And, like, I get it, dude. Like, it's wrestling, so it takes from your real life and it adds into the story. But, like,. I don't know, like John Cena, like what what happened? Why like why like I feel like this is on him. This has to be his fault, right? Swinging the D around, right? I don't know. He he always said after he got divorced at first, I'm never doing it again, never doing it again, never doing it again. And then you say you're gonna do it at WrestleMania, and then you just didn't do it. I thought he was gonna get married this past year, like this this WrestleMania that just was like so a week ask, ago. So then maybe this isn't the gimmick. Maybe the gimmick was I'm gonna ask her to marry me at WrestleMania. He didn't really want to do it, but it makes for a great WrestleMania storyline. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what happened here. Um, yeah, I mean, the moment he probably needed to have it and probably felt like that was when Total Bellas, the TV show, was like, I think, for first like launching. Um, it'll be it. it'll be interesting to see. I'm gonna assume she's going to quit. I, I mean, would you want to stick around when you got when your man is like? But he's gone right now. He's filming movies and stuff. So That's, like, dude, I think she's gonna dig her heels in and want to be around more. Tonight is the uh, it's the superstar shakeup. So you know, everyone that's on SmackDown, what? listen, what? SmackDown and Raw, they have two different rosters. And tonight they read they read you know they they redo the draft. And everybody goes different places and stuff like that. Do you know what happens after that? <laughs> what happens after that? Fonzie jumps a shark <laughs> oh, in a leather jacket. Is what happens. My girlfriend is legit worried. Like she's been oh texting me all wor- morning. She's like, "If John Cena and Nikki Bella can't make it in this world, how can we?" And I was well, like, "I don't know. I think we're gonna be okay." I'm not worried about the both of you. <laughs> what the hell's going on over there at the Fantone household? Your girlfriend used to be of sound mind body. She did, dude. <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god, John Cena and Nikki Bella getting a divorce." <laughs> As we were coming back from break, we were letting you know I'll be guest bartending tomorrow night. Yeah. Tozies and Magnolia. And, uh, and, and to benefit 
save 22. And then we mentioned their hike. And I did find out it is, uh, as a matter of fact, Saturday, May 5th, uh, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Jesus. I, <laughs> but, I, but I will be out there. I will be hiking for that as well. People ask me if they can get registered somewhere. I have found this information at save22.vet. Okay. And we will pass that out via the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Stansbury Show here momentarily. We will be right back to get you hooked up with $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come true. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Go. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Going to get you hooked up with $1,000 here momentarily. But first, we will talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com as we do every Ah. single Monday, 8 o'clock. Buddy, how are you? Doing well, guys. Thank you. I, um... First, if you would like 30 to 60 seconds to mourn <laughs> Nikki Bella and John Cena, I will allow you to have it. If you uh, if you would like to mourn openly about about the split, dude, finally pops the question and they and they're in their splitsville. I don't I don't I know nothing about it. I saw it late last night, um, but yeah, I mean I mean mourning yet I think would be silly. But you know, <laughs> never 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 see uh, you know such two high profile individuals uh, that go their separate ways. I would agree. Uh, let's move over to the Cavaliers now as we're talking to Scott. From, <laughs> as we're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Now, they did lose last night, and uh, you can call it, I guess, embarrassed on their home floor if you would like. Um, I do have this question, though, because you know, people were like, well, you know, the Cavaliers are never going to be this cold again. But when you lose in this fashion, it has to be more than just missing shots, right? Uh, it, it was a lot of missed shots. I mean... The the issue is you can you can compile it and say poor defense, poor transition defense, not getting back on defense, whatever. But those 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 transition points don't happen if they hit their shots, okay. right? I mean if they're if they're if they're hitting their threes and there's not long rebounds, where the where where the opposition's corralling the ball at the three point line and has to make one pass to drain a, a shot, you know you're 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 putting yourself behind the eight ball already by by being a you know, when you're when you're a driving kick offense, you got to hit those shots because you're so spread out, and especially when you have up to two guys in the corner, if you miss, those guys got to run the full 98 to you know to get back, and that's it's just not a recipe for success. So, you know, but again, you're you're counting on guys like Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood and you, an injured Kyle Korver. So when when Kevin Love isn't hitting his shots, or when Jair Smith isn't hitting his shots. You know, it makes it, it makes it tough. But, you know, they they shoot average from three. They win that game yesterday. Just I mean, it's an extra 18 points just right there. Um, you know, and you have to assume, you know, one, two, maybe three of those made threes equate to fewer transition points on the other side. So, I mean, they held the Pacers under 100. When's the last time the Cavs have held somebody to under 100 points? You know, so it's. It's 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 a it's a combination of things, but it all starts by not hitting open shots. Yeah, I mean it was it was yeah. very clear early yesterday in the game when Kevin Love just couldn't get off, and I I, I think it was the Cavs scored twelve points in the first quarter or something like that. And I'm glad you bring up the point of you miss open threes like that, and it's very easy to get gassed in those games. I think sometimes that's easy to kind of lose perspective of. And speaking of getting gassed, um, Cavaliers I know have two games before Wednesday nights uh, or two days before Wednesday night's game there. Um, but LeBron, I think at times yesterday, kind of looked fatigued to me. Now, maybe a part of that was, and I was live in, 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 in the queue, maybe a part of that was was the frustration of not being able to get over and do what you kind of set the tone on the Pacers. But it, to me, at least looked like maybe those 82 games weren't such a great idea. What were your observations on that? 
uh, I think it was mostly mental fatigue. Um, you know, it, when you know he, he did everything, he, he probably. I mean, there's yes, there were a couple times he didn't exactly exude the most effort on the defensive end, and you could say you could say that's an issue but when you're playing 44 minutes. It's it's tough to be 100. You know, give it 110 percent. Um, you know, for that for that entire stretch, and and it's a lot of frustration too. I mean, when you and it's not the best leadership. But when you when you're triple teamed and you and you pass it perfectly to someone's pocket, and and they and they clank it off the front of the iron, I mean, and then and then it leads to easy two the other way. That's a five point swing every time that happens. And you know, you, there comes a point where you just you can't blame him for for you know quote unquote looking fatigued. I I don't think he's tired. I mean, the guy is in peak physical condition. He was in incredible shape a week ago. So I don't and he and he hardly played the other night against New York. Um, you know, so they, they've had a lot of time to prep for this, and a lot of LeBron's prep is sleep and rest. And, you know, so I don't, I don't see, you know, fatigue being an issue. Now, if this was happening in game 8, 9, 10, maybe, uh, but the, the, I, I don't see it being an issue right now, especially after, you know, game 1. We're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. I, um, I feel as if I was early on this, and that's why I keep hitting it so hard on the head. But I and and I think we've seen it this season, and I think it was a little obvious yesterday. Do Ty lose in over his head? Right. He's got a lot of guys who want playing time, um, and you know he, you have a player like Tristan Thompson, who was second, maybe third best or most important piece in that championship team. Yes, and he's. he's out of the rotation completely. Um, I know Ty wants to go with 10. I know he wants to give key minutes to Jeff Green. Uh, you know, he and Jeff Green go back. You know, I, I think a lot of people forget that. I mean, they were together in, in Boston. And, you know, I like Jeff. Jeff has had some very, very high moments with this, with this organization over the last year. But, you know, outside of a three- or four-game stretch last month, I mean, he's been pretty brutal from three-point range. So I, I understand wanting to go small, and you have the he has the ability to guard one through five, and I get that. Uh, but if he's going to be a liability on the offensive end, Ty's going to have to make a decision sooner than later because they don't have a lot of wiggle room to uh, you know to, to score 12 points in the first quarter with him going 0 for four, 0 for five, or whatever he did to start that game um, is not is not is not going to do well for them. So he, he I don't know if he's in over his head as much as he really doesn't have a lot of time to figure out who his eight guys are going to be because rarely do you see teams go nine, let alone ten in the playoffs. And I know he wants to appease a lot of people and he's got a lot of weapons, uh, but I, I, I would be a better, I would feel better or more comfortable as a fan if he took his best eight guys for that game and went with them. It could be another eight the next game. It could be another eight the next game and uh, clearly would change series to series depending on who you're playing. But, you know, there comes a point where you have to just utilize your, your best assets for the most amount of time. And, you know, four minutes to Kyle Korver isn't exactly a good use of that guy's, you know, abilities. So we'll see. I, I, he'll figure it out. I, you know, I, I have faith. But, you know, again, we're, we're, we're in finite land now where you only get four losses in a, in a, in a series before you're sent home. So I, I would assume, you know, he might give Jeff Green a little bit of a leash here for game two, but if it doesn't happen, I would expect some changes for game three. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I think it was just multiple points yesterday where I kind of scratched my head on Ty Lue's decisions. It seems like in the first quarter, there was already 10 dudes out there. You know what I mean? Like it was just, right. he made, he made quick changes and he stuck with Jeff Green.
screen when he was running incredibly cold right there. So a little bit confusing. Um, but where do you stand right now on the Pacers and the, the future of this series? I mean, we got six games left, and the Cavs need to win four of them. Is that going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think so. I mean, the Cavaliers should be favored. Um, I, I would love to see what the odds are for Cavs in five, to be honest. Um, I, I do see, you know, when you have LeBron James, I do think you'll get to a situation in game two where he's not going to defer as much. Um, you know, he, he's, all, he's always wanted to do that. You know, he, I, you know he, he always calls game one a feel-out game. And I think it wasn't a feel-out game as much for who you're playing and how they're going to play against you versus how's your team going to act and react in, in this moment when you have so many of these guys with little to no playoff experience. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've guys, you know, again, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, two key pieces on this team. That was, those are their first playoff minutes, you know, at all in their entire career yesterday. So, you know, I, I do think there's a little more feeling out for this team, but I would be shocked if they start game two and he isn't attacking and taking four or five shots in that first quarter after, you know, not taking one, I think, for the first ten minutes, was it, of, of, of game one. Um, well, you know, but he, but you, you have to do that because if you're going to – if if he's if those guys hit their shots, Philly changes or Philly uh, Indiana changes their defense immediately and 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 starts converging on those guys, um, you know. But if if you can force those guys to be the ones to beat you and they don't beat you, you're not going to change anything. So I think if if a couple of those shots go down in the first quarter, you know that game is you know markedly different because Indiana changes how they do things, and then and then LeBron has way more room to work because guys are going to start closing out in the three point line instead of converging on him in the key. And it's just the game flow just changes dramatically. So hopefully, you know, if he starts attacking, starts getting to the free throw line a little bit, starts slowing the game down, um, instead of having it be, you know, have it one and a half court instead of transition, uh, I think this team will be much better off for it. We're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. I want to get a Browns question in here before I let you go. I'm hearing a lot of the national media ask the question, if you're the Browns, do you take a quarterback with the number one and the number four pick? And so since I'm seeing that question kind of come out of nowhere, I'm wondering, are they picking it up from somewhere? Are they hearing rumors that that might be on the Browns list? Like, what do you think about that idea? I think a lot of it is you have almost 20 years of this team not being able to have a quarterback, and you have two top five picks, so you may as well try and get one of them out of that. Um, if they do that, I think that screams a complete lack of conviction for the guy they chose first. I agree. Um, it does. It does increase your odds of finding a quarterback. Sure. But it also screams, I don't know who I have at number one. It's not. It's not Washington taking Kirk Cousins four rounds later. It's, right. It's it's, it's 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 a team that is just hoping for the best, taking somebody, and then that's that's not a great way to start your first tenure as a as a new GM or, or front office with this team, especially when you talk about the guys who are going to be there at four waiting for them. I mean, you have game changers across the board, whether it's Barkley, Chubb, or Fitzpatrick. Um, if, you, if you take a quarterback at one and four, um, you know, I think that screams you have no idea what you're doing. I, uh, I had liked the idea initially, but I agree with you that if you do it, you're telling your first pick you're not really the guy. And we're, or we're not, at, we're at, at bare minimum, we're not sure that you're the guy. And I would then say if you're not sure he's the guy, then probably doing? not a first pick. You're probably not the first pick. That's Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Buddy, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next Monday at 8. Have a good week, guys. Absolutely. You too, my man. We're giving away $1,000 every single hour on the program. Your next opportunity right now. 
your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9, online for you, WRKK.com. Hockey fans coming out of the woodwork saying, dude, you had Scott from winningfornextyear.com on, and you didn't talk about the fact that the Jackets are up two games to none. Full disclosure, I have no idea who the Columbus Blue Jackets are playing in the NHL playoffs right now. I don't know. I don't I, uh, know. I'm happy that they're up. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about hockey, so I guess that's kind of the, uh, like... I tried, man. When I lived in Detroit, I tried. I tried to understand it. I tried to get it. I tried to, like, breathe it, but I just couldn't. I, I don't know if it's one of those things that maybe once you reach a certain age, it's like, eh, pff, it's not for me. But, like, I tried. I couldn't do it. I like hockey. Um, it's Again, the playoffs are kind of cool because it really matters. You can get a little lost in the season of it. Um, it's a little under delivered to you via television, radio, whatever media outlets you want to choose. It's a little under delivered to you. Um, it's not as catered to, especially in this area, because we just don't care about it. I've always been a little perplexed by that with Ohio, though, because you got Pittsburgh, who's nuts about it. Chicago is crazy about it. Detroit. I mean, you're surrounded by cities and states that love it, and we just don't care. Just don't care. We just don't care. Just don't. And I am paying attention to the NHL playoffs just a little bit this year, though, because the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah. first year in the NHL, are up three games to none against the Los Angeles Kings. They play again tomorrow night. And I've been kind of caught up in this because, well, my family lives in Las Vegas, and I have my niece now who's like 12 years old who has, she's lived in Vegas her entire life. She's never had a professional sports franchise. And so now, like, now they get one and they're good right away. So she's like caught up in like the moment of this and like the being able to root for her hometown in something on a professional level. And so she's like all caught up in the NHL playoffs. So she's got me sucked into this, and I'm watching it. So Gold Golden Knights is who I've been rooting for in this whole thing. Now to get us back to sports that people actually care about, a little bit of breaking news right here. Uh-oh. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, great. James Harrison announced his retirement this morning. Just happened. Is that right? James Harrison calling it a day right there. Can't be surprised. I know he went over to the Patriots yeah. thing there, and yeah. then that kind of felt like a exit stage right yeah. move. Can't necessarily be surprised there, but he was great. Oh, phenomenal. I mean, what are you going to do? Say yeah. James Harrison sucked? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he got pretty good at football. He was really good. All right. Um, got a couple of minutes here, and uh, and I'm thankful for that because I feel like if we go too far, we get ourselves in a little bit of trouble with this one. But okay. 8% of men have a certain ejaculation problem. Okay. 8% of men suffer an ejaculation problem. Would you... Vent, would you care to venture a guess, Fantone, as to which ejaculation problem they may have? This might be one of those juvenile segments we do. I, I would say it's probably the number's too low for it to be premature. Guys are a lot more guys are doing that. Maybe I'll say like not a strong enough stream. You know what I'm saying? Like a anticlimactic ejaculation. Oh, oh okay. No, but uh, but I like to guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. What is it? delayed ejaculation? Oh. Is affecting eight percent. Of men, unlike premature ejaculation, usually defined as ejaculating three minutes or less after penetration, there is wow. That's what premature ejaculation is. Is three minutes? That's the line. I was gonna say. Now you have to consider it as penetration time. Like if you exit for a minute, does that still count within there, yes. or is it just when it's it's just strictly penetration? I don't want to speak for the entire male body, but I uh, of of listenership, but I I can tell you that. Normally, once you put them in motion, 
the clock's ticking. Okay. Right? I mean, okay. take him back out of there. It's uh, you know what I mean? Okay. You have you have pulled the pin out of said grenade is what I as I kind of how I feel like it, but maybe not. All right. There is not a set of time that constitutes uh, like delayed ejaculation, but this is a problem for guys. That, you, that What they're saying here is, is that you can be enjoying sex, physically enjoying it, and yet you will have problems reaching climax. Now, I know what the jokes are going to be and the easy women will be like, I wish my husband could have this, and I get it, right? I, you know what I mean? I, I totally do get that. But what a problem. They say, dude, there are guys. Now, again, I think women would, some women would actually really, really enjoy this. But they say, dude, if you can go 20 minutes of penetration, you still haven't orgasmed, you probably have delayed, delayed ejaculation issues. This is definitely much more my issue than the other way around. Like, this is 100% like, okay, like, uh, this has happened. Dude, I'd be worried about the fact that you don't have enough sensation in your penis. Yeah, it's it's not that there's a lack of sensation. Like, I, it feels great. Like, it's not like, it's not like oh, I'm losing interest or I'm, I can't sustain an erection. It's just, it'll just take me forever. Like... Ejaculation is a complicated process that involves your brain, nerves, and muscles in your pelvic region. Your nerves will send a signal from your brain to your pe- uh, I'm sorry, your pelvis muscles, and that will then tell them to contract and then release the semen. But when your nerves are not communicating properly, whether from a disease like diabetes or maybe MS or even just from aging, that the ejaculate now message from your brain will get lost in the translation there. Okay. Some drugs will also delay your ejaculation. There are plenty of guys listening right now that know that, yeah, if you take a couple of Vicodin, you are twice the lover you normally are. As far as, like, your endurance level goes. It's not going to make your penis any better. But, like, you will, it will delay the sensitivity in you. And, dude, a lot of guys will do that. They'll take a Viagra and a Vicodin. Next thing you know, the woman thinks, you know, he's a hero. That's Plenty of guys know that, you know, that story. But they say selective serotonin uh, inhibitors for depression, certain muscle relaxers, and anti-smoking meds uh, will mess with your your neurotransmitters in your brain, which can postpone your ejaculatory response. I have had this. I wouldn't say it's a common problem for me to have delayed ejaculation issues, but I have definitely had it. And I just thought it was like, oh, God, I've slept with this woman so many times. Like, I just like that's what I thought it was. Like, I didn't realize just a, a lack of interest. Well, and I think that's what most women are going to think that it is, because like, like I said, I mean, this isn't uncommon for me, but I, I think I think it's, it's it's almost like a blow to the woman for a lot of times where it's like, well, what do you not, not find me enough attractive enough? Do right. not do not enjoy sex with me enough? And you get a little bit into your own head. So then it just becomes a self-defeating cycle of like, oh, my gosh, man, I just want this to happen. You know, it's been it's been 15 minutes. She's obviously getting to a point where it's physically uncomfortable for her at this point. And here I am just trying to like just just power my way through it and i'm like dude maybe if i just go a little and it's like no dude and it, it does it, it can definitely be an issue i um yeah yeah i now cuz you can build your tolerance up to a a certain woman there is kind of like this this mind f that happens with men it's like dude honestly the first time you sleep with a new woman it could go wildly off the rails like you're i have seen even in my personal life i have seen like my first performance out of oh jeez let's <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe rip the sheet off and, and, and try right. that, try another one there. But like, once you get back into it, it is, you kind of build up a tolerance to said woman. And I've definitely been there and have them say, like, what? Am I not, do you not find me attractive? Like, what's happening? I feel like this has happened in one night stands for me. This has happened in like booty calls for me. And this has happened in relationships for me where it's like, uh, See, just the one night stand doesn't, doesn't it doesn't click for dude, like, the one night stand doesn't surprise me because I think a little bit of that one a little bit of those could have been mental like there could have been a little bit of dude should I be doing it you could be like reevaluating like is this really what I should be doing right now you could subconsciously your brain could be working through things and most and again most doctors would tell you that a lot of sexual dysfunction and these issues are all dude very rarely are they physical problems they are normally psychological problems that's what most doctors will tell you I, I you know and I think it's plain- Plenty possible, obviously, for women, and I think for men to men too, to have sex, not necessarily orgasm, and still have enjoyed it. Um, but it's almost impossible once you start that process. Like you can't just quit in the middle of it. Like you can think that, like, my God, we've been having sex for twenty minutes. This isn't just this just isn't going to happen for me. But you just you can't. It, it's such an awkward moment of like, all right, are you done trying? I guess I'm done trying too. You know what I mean? So like, it is. It it it, it sounds like you said in the beginning. It sounds very much like, oh, I wish I wish my husband had this. Right. And it's probably a better problem to have than a worse. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, if I could be too short or too long, I'd rather be too long, right? I think. Um, but well, I mean, it, it can I be think an that's, issue. Well, I think that speaks to who you are caring about your partner versus you know right. yourself. I think a lot of guys would be like, you know what I mean, like Dave Chappelle. Once I did it, said, yeah. Dave Chappelle very funnily once said, you know what I mean? Like, sex is a race. Beat you, bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think that speaks to who you are as, as a person. And again, sex, if, if you care about, well, honestly, even, even if you don't care about them, I mean, I can't think of a, of a reason to want to have sex with somebody and not deliver. I, I, I read something, you know, it was online and, you know, you and I are usually not big fans of memes, but somebody was talking about how their dad had told them. As soon as you lay down with a woman, she becomes your equal. So whatever you say, whatever you do, that's a reflection back of you. Like whatever you're doing there, that's kind of what you, you know. I've never heard that. And and it was just a very like, yeah, like that that makes sense to me. And I know there's plenty of dudes out there like f that bitch, whatever. But yet you're right. Like when it comes down to it, like you're there to have a mutually good time. Like you're there, you're in it together. And well, I. <sighs> What I want more than anything is to be called back into service again. Right. And I feel right. like the best way to get called back into service again is to provide a, a, a reasonable service. You know what I mean? And that's that's I have always said that, yeah, one night stands are great, but anything good enough to do once is probably good enough to do twice. So like I'm trying to get back invited over yet again. Those Netflix and chill things are great. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to find myself in that situation often. We do have, Fantone, a case of, this is one of the biggest cases of irony I have ever seen in my life, and it happened in a boxing match. We'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Well, welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're also online for you, WRQK.com, and we'll make you $1,000 richer coming up at 910 this morning. Give you another keyword. You'll text in and have some money. I do. I need that thousand bucks, man. 
Yeah, dude. After uh, what we went to the Cavs game yeah. yesterday, took your woman out to uh, out to a good lunch at Bahama Breeze. Oh, where dude, you guys went. dude, it was dude. so effing good. Was that your first time there? No, it was her first time there. Oh, though. okay. Oh, and it's dude, so good. Oh my gosh, man, your boy. Uh, that place gets slept on. I think. I, you know, it's it's kind of out there, and it's not necessarily like a big chain, so you don't think of it very often. Um, but we were, you know, we were like, all right, well, we're going up to Cleveland, gonna probably head up there around noon, and it was like, where do you want to eat? She's like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I want it to be somewhere special. And I was like, oh, I got special for you. And they got parrots on the wall. They got all sorts of mar- frozen margaritas and stuff. I had a a, 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 a mango jalapeno um, mojito yesterday. Ooh. And oh, my God, What did you get to eat? Uh, I had the seafood paella. Oh, oh a little bit dude, that sounds delicious. Got that rice, got that sausage, you know, scallops, shrimps, all those things, man. It was dude, absolutely, it was phenomenal. Paella is great. It was great. And when I see it on a menu, I'll get it. A lot of times because it's I'm not making paella at home. Well, that's the way I'm I not fe- doing. That's the way I feel about seafood at, at restaurants as a whole. Is like I don't know why I'm a really good cook. I really think I am. Um, but I, I I'm intimidated by seafood. Like I can't. I'm like uh, really? I don't I don't know how to cook this. I don't know how to like. I don't, oh, I don't, I don't know. It, there's just something about it where it's like eh, I'll I'll leave that in the hands of professionals. Most fish will tell you when it's done. By firmness or by by changing of color or I mean I most just, fish will tell you when it's. I done. just feel like it's not that good at home. You know what I'm saying? Like some stuff you can make at home, and it's like, dude, this is just as good as a restaurant. Other stuff to me, it always feels like I don't know. I would agree. Sure, I tried to make tilapia, and it's like, oh, this is bad. I tried to make Maui Maui, and it's like, oh, this is bad. I would agree that it that it is harder to make it as good as a restaurant will at home. I yeah. would agree with that. I yes. mean, burger. I can make a burger at home and be like, dude, this is fantastic. Very good. But right. like, I don't know. You give me a, a you know, fish is. A tuna steak, and I don't know what to do with it. And it can go bad fast. Like, you can yeah. save a hamburger. Right. You know what I mean? Right, Just right, put it back right, in right, the pan. You know right. what I mean? Whatever. You can save a hamburger. Fish can go bad very fast. Uh, another shot, like I said, at $1,000 coming up, nine ten. We'll also pass out some uh, some poison and cheap trick tickets here momentarily. I do mm-hmm. want to talk to you about this, though. Mm-hmm. As we saw Irony rear its ugly head in a boxing match. As and Now, again, in the fighting sports, you try to get in your opponent's head. You know what I mean? You try to mess with them a little bit and this and that. So an American boxer was fighting a, uh, I believe, a Mexican boxer. Rod Salca is, is your American, and Francisco Varga had been uh, your Mexican opponent, his Mexican opponent there. So Rod came into the boxing match wearing trunks that depict a brick wall. And around the waist, where they normally have your name or like whatever, he has America First written on his boxer shorts. Now, I don't necessarily know then that that means that he is deep in the Trump camp or a Trump supporter or if he just realizes he was fighting a Mexican fighter and thought, OK, it, getting in your opponent's head is part of this sport. It's part of this thing. It's gone. It goes back to Muhammad Ali, probably prior. If I'm I don't know, but I would imagine prior to Muhammad Ali even and that he tried to go this route. But again, irony came through in the end as he was defenseless. Against Vargas, what they're calling battery ram punches. He crumbled in the fifth round, suffered more punishment in the sixth, and then uh, the ultimate, then being the final round, the ref awarded the fight to Varga on a TKO, I believe sixth, sixth and final round, yes. Irony. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean that the guy was. It's not too much of a stretch to think that he was, you know. But no, 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 not at all. At, at the at the end of the day, I mean, you went with this as like the all right. This is how I'm gonna get in my I'm gonna get in my opponent's head. At any time that blows up in your face, whether it was via your your trunks or what you said, you know, on social media before a fight or something like that. Anytime that brash behavior blows up in your face, there is a little bit of me that's like, ha ha, you deserved it. Well, not only that... <laughs> you deserved yes, it. absolutely. But not only that, it makes your story a little bit more interesting. I was watching Notorious, which is the story about Conor McGregor. Right. And uh, that's on Netflix, by the way. And it was actually really, really good. And he was so mouthy and talking all that trash before the, the one Nate Diaz fight. And then Nate Diaz beat him. And you see it. And like his reaction and afterwards and like the, the, the shame that was on his face and you could see that he was like worried about the fact that he had been so openly against, you know what I mean, talking how right. he was going to destroy Nate Diaz and then got beat. It, was a, it, was a, it actually made Conor McGregor's story that much more interesting, I think. I think sometimes that can happen. But yes, when somebody's brazen, talking yeah. all that trash and they get beat. It is. It's kind of like, well, you kind of got what was coming. Speaking of dudes getting their punch or their heads punched off, April 28th, yes. Operation Reaching the Summit. It is brought to you by Honor Fighting Championship. Uh, Josh Rock and Roller, he's going to be there. Don't worry about that. Isaiah the Beast Chapman, he'll be there as well. Hopefully you will be too. Um, if you want tickets, all you have to do is hit up honorfightingchampionship.com. That was a free one right there. Is that right? That was a bonus. I, uh, I can't wait for that. I'm going to actually, I will be attending that myself. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a party, buddy. The 28th. Here's what I know. Anywhere Josh Rock and Roller is, <laughs> is where I want to be. Hell yeah. I love that commercial, dude. It's so funny. Your shot. $1,000. Next on Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. We're on Rock 106.9. going to pass out $8,000 here momentarily. Uh, we have a piece of audio I've been waiting to play all morning because I'm on the edge of my seat about it because I can't believe it happened. Um, I have been a KISS fan since I was about five years old. I was on vacation with my uh, family, and I ran across the pinball machine and have been captivated ever since. Is that where it all started? Yeah, it was. And really? uh, then I, I we got home from the vacation, and my brother was like, dude, I own all the records. I'll give them to you and whatever. And so like that kind of like started my love affair with KISS. And actually, you know what? It wasn't even my, my brother. Like... My brother influenced me a lot in my life, but it was actually my older cousin, Doug, who uh, like totally formed, uh, he really fit me for my musical tastes. That's where I picked up most of my like, you know, um, Passover records and like that kind of stuff was all, not, that sounded weird, passed down records. Like that, it, yeah. It's like crank up, kiss for you know Passover. That's not what I meant. That was that, that was wrong. That was wrong. Though. Even though Gene is Jewish, but you know, no, yeah, I could totally see him coming out with a Passover record. Yeah, Why for not? sure. Why not, dude? But uh, but that's where my my musical opinions were formed was was through my older cousin Doug. But I've been a fan my entire life, and I have never, I can't remember the last time or the first time even where I ever heard Gene Simmons admit that he was wrong on anything. Yeah, he um he's very much a, you know, the line in the sand and here's where I stand and you know whether I'm wrong, right or whatever, this is this is where I am. And what's interesting about this is he has been proven wrong before. Publicly on things and has refused to admit it. Like when he tried to when he tried to when he tried to trademark the devil sign, you know, yes. the, the the metal. Yeah. And like he and tried he, to trademark he always, like, that. does it with the thumb out and it looks so bad. Said he invented it. And it's like, no, you didn't, bro. No, you didn't. No, 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 you didn't. He just refuses to to admit when he was wrong, and that's what I find interesting about this. 
So we have a piece of audio here. This is Gene Simmons talking about how he was wrong about, of all things, marijuana. I've been arrogant and judgmental, but most importantly, ignorant to the facts. Wow. I never did my research. I was just sort of glossing over stuff. And about three years ago... I wish more people would do that. Be okay with saying, hey, I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't do my research. And, like, that's the thing is I think a lot of people make their opinions on stuff and then don't do the homework on it, and then they get so caught up in the conviction of it. It's like, well, no, this, Gotta is, fight what, for it. this is what it. defines me. And it's like, dude, that is, that is especially from someone like him, that's, that's, like, that's reassuring to hear. I would agree. I started hearing about certain beneficial things and I have to watch my language because Canadian laws. This is on a Canadian um, television network that he was doing okay, this for. Okay. Not surprised his wife's Canadian and from okay. up there from uh, Saskatchewan. So he, he does a lot of stuff up there. Okay. Notwithstanding, I just found it astonishing what the effects of cannabis can be. Beneficial. And I kept reading more about how research is being done all the time and more research should be done all the time. The more we know, no, you know, the more informed we are and the more astute our, our decisions are going to be. And I urge everybody to make their own decisions. I'm not here to tell you what to think or what to do, but I urge you to do your own research because I did mine. And I had a change of heart. I, I was wrong. My judgment of cannabis was wrong. I have personally not smoked or used any cannabis at all. I've never used. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do all that stuff. First, this is a separate subject. I'm not going to get bogged down in it, but he, he tells you I got to be careful because, because of the Canadian laws. For those of you that don't know, Canada does not have freedom of speech. They don't have that. So remember during the election, I'm going to go to Canada. Good luck, buddy. You're not allowed. You don't have freedom of speech in Canada. Just so you know. Okay, so that's what he was that's what he was referencing. But here's why Gene Simmons is changing his tune on marijuana. And we all know what it is. It's money. It's money. He has teamed up with a cannabis company out of Vancouver. And what KISS is going to do is what every band in three, five, ten years is gonna rush to do, which is put out their marijuana strain. And I thought about it this morning. I don't know who the first rock band to put out their own beer was, but then everybody followed suit. I know Maiden's got one, Slayer's got one, right. Megadeth has a few. People are people are following suit. The first alcohol, the rocker alcohol I could think of is Cabo Wabo, right? Tequila, but yeah. Yeah, is that like the first oh. like booze I can I mean uh, I don't know if it's the first, but it's definitely the most it's it's the first memorable one right, for me. Right. And so I think you're going to see bands start to do this, and Gene Simmons is going to sit back and go, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought marketing was bad. I thought putting your name on everything and selling everything for profit was bad. And so instead of getting beat out by, you know, whoever, 311 or whoever is going to be the big weed heads, Gene Simmons is out there going, well, dude, we got the Ace Freely character that Tommy Thayer now dresses up as. We have, and dude, Ace's whole thing was Space Ace. You don't think they want the Space Ace marijuana strain out there? Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you're putting your product or you're putting your logo on literally every other product on the face of the planet, why not get involved in in the marijuana business? And like, even I'm sure from like even not even from the Kiss perspective, probably just from the like, dude, I want more money. I'm a shrewd businessman perspective. There's money to be made in legal marijuana. Like there, there, there just is. Like, 
I I don't blame him at all here. Gene Simmons is one of the smartest rock stars in terms of how to flip a dime that you're ever going to run across. Um, hearing hearing him talk and hearing him do that whole thing, I uh, I really want to get Craig Gas on again. You remember that dude? He oh, did yeah. the Gene Simmons impressions. Oh, yeah. That guy was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, uh, you know Craig is great. What I'm hearing is that Rock 106.9 should be playing War Machine by Kiss because listen how good that sounds. Sounds really good. Wasn't a big enough hit. I I, I'm, I am aware of that. Was not a big enough hit for the band. But this is what this is about. And he has been anti-drugs and booze for so long. And again, because he was made to be. Like, it didn't just fall out of nowhere. It's that Peter Chris and Ace Freely had been wildly unreliable during the 70s about touring, about being in the... And, and dude, like, for most people, a lot of you aren't going to know. The amount of albums that Kiss put out that Peter Chris doesn't play on is most. It's most of them. Most of the time, dude, they had somebody else go back in there and do it because Peter was too messed up on drugs to actually make it through the recording process. Most Kiss albums don't have Peter Chris on them, even the ones back in the day with the with the makeup. Again, Ace Freely, too. They had Bruce Kulick. His older brother, Bob Kulick, played half of it. As a matter of fact, Kiss Alive 2... The last part of that record is a studio record. Ace Freely, not on it, except for his song, Rocket Ride. Bob Kulik did the rest of that because Ace couldn't be found anywhere because he was too busy getting high and drunk. So Gene Simmons had his band messed with due to substances and was like, dude, enough. Enough of this. This stuff is bad. It's negatively affecting me, and he took a hard line on it. But what's happening now is that the mentality in the country is changing. There's money to be made, and he wants the Space Ace cannabis strain out there, and I would too if I was Gene Simmons. Because like I said, everybody likes to point and laugh at Kiss. Oh, they're just a marketing machine. That's all they do. But bands are going to trip over themselves to do this and follow the Kiss model. Anything that's a marketing machine is usually pretty successful. There you go. Gene Simmons is a brilliant marketer. There's no denying that. As a matter of fact, I read the Kiss book that was written by their, I think it was called Kiss and Tell, and it was, it was their accountants that wrote it, and they talked about how, like, in every meeting, it was, well, how do we make more money, though? How do we make money? It's going to be interesting, and as a Kiss fan, I cannot wait to try the Space Ace Kiss strain. Can't. Wait, I don't know if that's what it's going to be called, but that's what I would do. I put Ace's, I dude, I put Ace's picture right on the front of it, pimp the hell out of it. Your shot at a thousand dollars right now. Rock one zero six nine. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock one zero six nine. Another reminder: tomorrow I'll be at Tozy's Magnolia, one forty four North Main Street in Magnolia, from five to seven. I'll be guest bartending, um, and they've asked me to add a charity to it, and I have chosen Save Twenty Two, which is a uh, local organization that brings awareness to the fact that 22 servicemen and women who have served this country commit suicide a day that number is. Which again, I'm telling you it's probably higher. Um, And obviously that is something we could take a huge bite out of by raising some awareness. So I have chosen them as the charity and I will be uh, guest bartending tomorrow night Tozies in Magnolia. Looking ahead at tomorrow's program, however, it is New Tour Tuesday tomorrow. Brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino there. You're getting new Nelly, new Keith Urban, and new ballot for my or I'm sorry, bullet for my Valentine there. Um and I I didn't really I don't necessarily want to play this Keith Urban. I've never heard it, I don't know. But I wanted to go new Jason L. Dean because he's got the new record out. Right. 
And dude, I listened to it over the weekend via iHeartRadio. Yeah. Dude, it's pretty good. Really? I mean, you like Jason Aldean. So I'm yeah, not I'm a fan. So like, I'll probably excuse some stuff that's not great on it. But he's got this song on it called Getting Warmed Up, and it's really good. I mean, it's pretty good. It's like a Jason Aldean fastball right down the middle. So how come we're not playing that tomorrow? Uh, the company won't give it to me as an uh, official release, and so I want to kind of stay away from that. Uh, kind of want to stay away from that. Uh, Stansberry trying to score Jason Aldean tickets or something. Doesn't want to piss somebody off. That's right. There it is. You hit the nail on the head, buddy. So we'll take a listen to the new Keith Urban instead tomorrow. Uh, I saw this um, from Dee Snyder, as a matter of fact, who is a Rock 1069 air personality. I believe we run House of Hair Saturday night, 10 p.m. Yeah. Is uh, is where that runs. And then they replay it on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I believe he is in the old Freddy the Frog time slot, which um, is probably the best case scenario there because you can't replace Freddy. There's no way to do it. As a matter of fact, I was wearing my Freddy the Frog shirt over the weekend as I was walking around downtown Canton. And, uh, and dude, I got stopped about 10 different times from people wanting to talk to me about Freddie. And there's just no replacing him. So, dude, what I'm saying is I don't want to put, like, some dude in there. Like, you, you might as well, you know, yes. get yes, the yes, name yes, yes, in yes. there, right? So I'm all for that. But I saw this from D. Snyder, and I thought it was an interesting question. And it's a would-you-rather scenario. And D would like to know, what would you rather have? You go to your favorite band's farewell tour... Or they pull up and call it quits before, like in the in like the height of their run. Like so, essentially, you could have Kiss six times they're retiring, or you could have up until this last year Guns and Roses massive flame out done. What would you rather have there? Um, I think I'd. I mean, I understand why from the perspective of artists, why they you know might feel differently about this. Um, but I think it's probably better to uh, quit when you're at your peak. You know what I'm saying? Like the the final years of something, the the downside of people's careers. Like how many times is that so frustrating to watch when you get stuck on the rib burn off, you know, circuit, or you know, you're Tiger Woods right now, where it's like, God, dude. At one point, I was the most dominant thing on the planet, and now I can't even put myself well, in the top ten of a competition. I don't even think it needs to go that far. As a matter of fact, I think you can stay at the party, not be the Rip Circuit band, and still not be revered the way a band who stopped early or pulled up short would. And I'll right. give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This band, still out there touring. As a matter of fact, they're selling out baseball stadiums right now. But yet, Pearl Jam does not feel as impactful as Nirvana. I think Pearl Jam's art probably better, probably deeper. I don't know. Probably better overall that there's probably more Pearl Jam to be enjoyed that was good than Nirvana. Maybe. I don't that might be close. What? But they've been at it forever and yet it kind of feels like uh I mean, I would go. Don't get me wrong. When, when you when you either you know the band's over or you die at your peak or whatever it is. I mean, like you don't have the crap records to hold against them. I right. mean, if 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 Biggie and Tupac would have been around for another twenty five years, if they were still alive today, there would have been some turds on on the program. You know what I'm saying? Sure. If it was like, yo, new, new twenty eighteen, new Tupac, they essentially would be twenty eighteen Snoop Dogg. Where it's like, well, yeah, dude, look at all that crap you've put out in the past twenty years, right there. So, like like I said, I mean, I think from an artist's perspective or an athlete's perspective, it's like, well, 
yeah, I want to keep making money. I want to keep expressing myself. I want to keep going out there and doing it. But from a fan's perspective, I definitely, I mean, calling it quits when you, when you, when it's time to get off the stage, that seems like the move to me. Now, from a fan standpoint, having gone to a thousand farewell shows of bands, because I'm just kind of at that point in my All life right. where every one of my favorite bands is kind of doing that. Um, you get a great show normally. Um, you get a set list that's fantastic because it spans the entire career, which can be nice. Um, that part can be great. But again, I was just wearing, as a matter of fact, over the weekend again, my I was there for the for the reunion tour for the Kiss 96-97 reunion tour. And it felt like this was going to be the end of this. That's when they were going to put a bow on it. Then 2000, they did the farewell tour. I mean, dude, 18 years ago, they did a farewell tour. 18 years! They did a farewell tour. And now, all of a sudden, they're still out there selling it, and it's kind of feeling like, oh, okay, maybe. I if So, for the fan aspect, I will take going to see my favorite band on their farewell tour. If I was in the band, I would much rather have a pulled up early and have everything I put out seen to be as this great piece of art, which is what's happened to Nirvana. Where if Kurt would have stayed alive another 10 years, I think people would really go back and be honest about some of those records and be like, dude, there's a lot of filler in this stuff. A lot of filler in those records. More Stansbury Show and those Poison and Cheap Trick tickets next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you at WRQK.com. The reach around free Stansbury Show, by the way. I don't care what that piece of imaging says. I won't mind. Oh, jeez. Jeez. Did not have a chance to get into this earlier in the program, but I would, uh, I'd be crazy to walk out of here without mentioning it. As the Cavaliers got what some people are calling embarrassed on their home floor yesterday. Now, I didn't watch the game. Fantone was actually in the house. I was. You actually went to the game. I was. But I'm seeing a lot of tweets about something I didn't realize had happened. And we've seen this kind of activity out of LeBron James before. And if there is a knock on him in his professional manner, this a sore loser is definitely a fair knock on LeBron James. He is a terrible loser. He's just bad at it. Okay? Now, some people are going to go, that's what makes him a great athlete, man. And I was like, okay, I think it's what makes him an average man, but okay. Well, however you want to look at that, that's on you. Right? But apparently, he put a towel over his crying face and walked off the court before the end of the game. And so Twitter has some issues with this. And this guy from Boston, full disclosure, tweets this out, and I think he's making a great point. says, let me get this straight. Tom Brady eviscerated after the Super Bowl for not shaking hands, even though he did try to shake the guy's hand. But LeBron puts a towel over his crying face, walked off the court before the buzzer even sounded. And, he, and this guy's saying, I can't wait to hear the excuses for that the people will make for this guy. And there is some truth in here. Now, I don't I didn't see it. So, But if this happened, this is a fair knock on LeBron. The I'm taking my jersey off before I get into the thing, and I'm walking off in game four, quitting in the fourth quarter when he realizes the game's not going to win, looking around at, you know, he'll blame teammates when things don't go. He is a dude. He does not lose well. He does become baby when he loses. There is no doubt. I guess I didn't see this, but I, I I don't know if he was out on the floor at the last minute. So like, 
at the end of the day, I mean, the games, and I mean, this happens in sports. You know what I'm saying? It's not uncommon for it to be like, all right, 45 seconds left, or you know, left on the clock. You you can't win this game, so everybody rushes out onto the field. You know what I mean? This, that's not an uncommon thing to happen, right? Again, another tweet here. Damn, LeBron walked to the locker room before the before the final buzzer. Kind of gave me the same feeling when he walked off after losing to Boston back in 2010, months before the decision. That came from Cleveland. That tweet, pretty interesting there. Uh, the buzzer didn't even go off, and LeBron walked out, and I knew Skip and Shannon and Max and Stephen A are going to have fun with that, and I would imagine those shows are going to go off on that today. Um, th- a lot of those guys love when anything bad happens to LeBron because he moves the needle. Is does in anywhere in this do they talk about like how much time was left? I mean, was like I said, if I, I, if there's five minutes left in a game, that's different than five seconds left in a game to me. Um, this person now again, I. I don't know if they're using hyper or whatever, if they're just using a measurement of time or whatever, but I, the, the number I'm reading is 40, is it 45 seconds? Which that doesn't sound like a lot. But again, me saying that doesn't sound like a lot sounds like I'm trying to excuse LeBron James from doing something he shouldn't be doing. Dude, everything comes from you. You're LeBron. You're, you're the man, dude. And so if you want the rest of that team to act as if they are professionals, then you kind of need to do that. Yes. So, what, 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 and I guess this goes back to the point of the guy who's like, well, pff, where's the Tom Brady? It's like, well, there's plenty of criticism here. I mean, I'm reading the article too, and there's, it's not like, it's not like everybody's just like, okay. Well, no, I think what he's saying though, and I maybe just the media hasn't caught up with it yet, but I think because what I'm, most of the criticism I'm seeing is from audience members via Twitter. I think this guy's saying, dude, Tom Brady gets eviscerated on like, Roundtable sports shows over that that, but look, but I but maybe the media just hasn't caught up to this yet. Maybe, maybe that'll happen today. I was gonna say, didn't you just say that like there's plenty of dudes out there who are ready to jump up and down on LeBron? The, I think Stephen A. Smith's gonna have a field day with LeBron James. Skip today. Bayless will have a field day with it. So like those two, essentially, you know, two of the biggest blowhards in media. You yeah, know what sure. I'm saying? And the two of the guys people pay the most attention to. So he'll get his fair share. I, I don't disagree with that. I just this is a fair knock on LeBron. He is, and dude, my dad would tell you that this is the make of a man, that this is the measure of the man, is that, dude, everybody's a good dude when things are good, everybody does the right thing when things are good, when you are tested, who are you? He got tested yesterday, dude, and he shows you this. Now, this is true, Fantone. I know we love him, but he's a little bit of a bitch in this I, regard. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not denying that like he has a hard time losing and he doesn't cover it very well. And like, I guess I just don't have as much of a problem with that. And I'm certainly not going to question who he is as a man, considering what he's done in this community. Oh, I feel like, dude, no, I, that's all, all the more reason why I will judge him as who is a man because I'll give him all the credit in the world when he does things great as a man. But to pretend that he's just going, that he's all the time great because he because he wrote a check and is sending kids to college is crazy. This is this is showing me the measure of who you are in the mirror. You can write the check, and that tells me who you are publicly. This, when you don't realize people are looking at you, and well, first of all, if you're 15 years in and you don't know this is going to be put underneath this microscope, then A, you're kind of dumb, and B, if you do know it's going to be under this microscope and you did it anyway, that again tells me who you are. This does. This is a fair and reasonable knock on both the athlete and the man that LeBron James is. Leadership starts from the top down, bro. You want Jordan Clarkson? You want the rest of these guys to fall in line and be the team that you need so you don't have to leave here? It comes from you. Keep your punk ass out there on the court. Shake the hands. Take the loss like a goddamn man. I know you're going to pout to the TV cameras. You're going to talk about, I'm the wrong guy to ass home a few for the next few days because you feel like that's the right thing to say. 
I don't care what the right thing to say is, LeBron. I care what the right thing to do is. Show me the right thing to do. Poison and Cheap cheap Trick tickets up for grabs to end the program. Take caller 10 on those. 1-800-243-7625. Aside from that, we're done. Teresa will get you hooked up with $1,000-1010 this morning. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. Have a great day. See ya. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106.